AM 640. Bill Handel here on a Saturday morning, every Saturday from 6 to 11 o'clock. Right after this show, it's Leo Laporte. And then after that, at 2 o'clock, it's Neil Saavedra with the Fork Report. Hey, Bill, I wanted to interrupt. I know I don't normally jump on the air with you, but uh, I wanted to let the listeners know that you have been nominated for the National Radio Hall of Fame. Long overdue recognition of your time here at KFI. And they... The listeners have an opportunity to vote you in. Voting is underway now through June 19th. The vote is determined by you, the listeners. This is not some radio industry restricted thing. It's voted by you. So if you're a fan of Bill and want to see him get into the National Radio Hall of Fame, please go to KFIAM640.com, keyword vote. That's KFIAM640.com, keyword vote. Bill is nominated in the spoken word on-air personality category. The winners will be revealed on Monday, June 26th. So please, KFIAM640.com, keyword vote, and vote Bill into the National Radio Hall of Fame. Oh, gosh. Uh, and by the way, he it's really not that important for you to vote. If you don't, you're never going to be able to listen to this show again. And if I ever see you, I'll <laughs> rip your head off. Okay. Uh, now. Oh, yes. This is Handle on the Law. Spectacular story. All right, this is game one of the Stanley Cup final. And uh, this was uh, with the Nashville Predators were in the game. And uh, one of the uh, Predators fan, a guy by the name of Jake Waddell, throws a catfish on the ice. Sailing it over the heads of the Penguins fans during the second period. He bought the catfish in Tennessee, put it in a cooler, doused it with Old Spice... Because you have to cover the smell, although if you ever used Old Spice, I'd rather have the catfish catfish smell on me than Old Spice. And uh, then he filleted the catfish and then ran it over with his pickup truck to flatten it. Then he vacuum sealed it in a bag. Then he hid it in his crotch. And he paid $350 to attend the game. Well, he was caught with the catfish. Well, no, he threw it on the ice, so immediately... Uh, the uh, authorities realized that this guy had a catfish in his crotch. He was detained by uh, the area uh, arena security. A uh, cop told him he would receive a citation in the mail for disorderly conduct. Instead, charges were filed against him for disorderly conduct, just like the cop said, but also included disrupting a meeting and possessing instruments of a crime. The instrument of the crime, of course, being the catfish. Well, after he was charged, uh, the story got, needless to say, international attention. And uh, the Allegheny County District Attorney announced uh, that the charges have been withdrawn. Can you imagine the pressure? Can you imagine the uh, just the embarrassment of going forward with this? So uh, he writes, that's the DA, having received the affidavit involving Mr. Waddell, as well as the television coverage of the incident, uh, it ha- we have made the determination that the actions of Mr. Waddell do not rise to the level of criminal charges, and as such, the three charges will be uh, withdrawn. So I guess, number one, a, a catfish that's in a vacuum seal bag is not considered a an instrument of criminality, right? It's not assault with a deadly catfish. And as to the rest of it, 
it was just way, way, way too embarrassing to go forward. All right, let's go ahead and take some phone calls. Hi, Jim. Welcome to Handle on the Law. Hi. Yeah, I had a question. I was in a, a car accident, and I, um, I, you know, I stopped. And I, I gave my the other driver my my um, insurance and registration and license and all that. But then I ended up leaving before the cops came. Okay, and your question? Uh, what should I do? Uh, nothing. Nothing. You didn't do anything wrong, Jim. Uh, it's not a hit and run. You don't have to stay before the cops show up at all. Uh, the point is you left your uh, you left your your information, uh, the insurance information, the registration. You, you did everything you were supposed to do. And so what the cops are going to do is they're probably going to they probably did show up, take a report from the other side, which was not a genius thing to do on your side. But that's not determinative. The cop isn't going to say and can't say it was your fault. The cop wasn't there. All, yeah. all the cop can do is take the information from the other party and say, this is what the other party said. And you'll be able to do your side when uh, you're in touch uh, by uh, the person you hit or hit you. And uh, you'll uh, make a statement to the insurance company, usually by phone. There are- yeah, there was, there was one other mistake. Like two days after the accident, his insurance calls me. And um, they, they start asking me what happened and stuff. And then she she gets on the line. Well, she tells me that this can be used in a court of law. We're going to make a recording. Yeah, that's okay. And if you that's there's nothing wrong with that. Yeah, but during the uh, my rendition of accounts, you know, I there, there was a lot of arguing about about exactly what happened. Doesn't matter as long as you make your case, and uh, they the other side can argue all they want, and you simply say no, that's not what happened. It was your guy who was at fault, and it doesn't matter what the other side says. It's what you say, Jim, and arguing... I made one mistake. What what is it? So far, you've made three mistakes, according to you, and I've said no. What was the one mistake you made? I, um, I I told him that I I was going 45 to 50 when I hit him, and I wasn't. I was going 45 to 50 in the the lead up to the on-ramp. Okay, so, all right. And what was... Okay, and what was the speed limit? Uh, I'm not sure. 45, 55, I'm not sure. Exactly. All right. So, I mean, that is not a wonderful thing, but you can explain that away. Uh, that when you make a statement to your own insurance company, your argument is, I thought she was, I thought the question had to do with how fast I was going in the lead up. I, I still think you're okay. They're going to try to nail you on that one statement. And you say, wait a minute, I misunderstood the question. Yeah, I really regret talking. Yeah, no, it's okay. All. No, you have to talk to them, Jim. Yeah, you have to, but I think that's uh, that's a way out. Although, you know, does he sound like he's believable? Uh, no, not really. I mean, I wouldn't believe him. But what the hell? That's just me. Mary, hi, Mary. Welcome to Handle on the Law. Hello. Yes, ma'am. Hi. When an employer kind of bullies an employee into therapy, um, who owns or has access to that medical um, clinical? Record? Just a therapist. Pardon me? Just, Just the therapist and uh, the person being therapied, the patient. Okay, so the employer, uh, th- don't, do they get anything? Like, no, Like whether no. or not the person kept their appointments? Uh, I would argue no, but, okay. how, but how does an employer force someone to go into therapy? What's that about? They bully them, 
And, well, that's and, another issue entirely. I mean, yeah. that that is hostile work environment. That's a duress. That's an entire issue. Thank you. Okay, you're welcome. Maybe that was her. What do you think? This is Handle on the Law. When it comes to you, no, I ain't got no patience. There's something about you, girl, I just can't find. You like that cigarette, that shot of hundred proof. No matter how much I get, I'm always craving that feeling when we kiss. The way your body moves, no matter how much I get, I'm always craving you. Craving you. All the in-between is killing me. You know I come unglued from missing you. This is KFI AM 640. We're simulating talk. Bill Handel, Saturday morning. And welcome back to Handle on the Law. Lori. Hello, Lori. Welcome. Hi. Yes. Um, my question is, um, my fiancé, his mother passed away in Oregon unexpectedly. Um, she was uh, under the, uh, they did the, the, they take you, you know, you. it's not die with dignity, but she was, in a coma, so they, they... So they killed her? Yeah, basically. Okay, excellent. I can understand and that. So, I would I would do the same thing. All right. So, so what happened after that? Well, what happened was um, he his stepbrother is was there also with his mother, and we're here in California, and so he was notified of his mother, and then and it was just a big old mess with that. And then, um, so what ended up happening is that she was here in California working as a teacher, and she got CalPERS here. And she just, uh, she just received her first retirement check. I mean, and, and so um, whatever was left, my fiancé was informed that he wasn't part of it. He, by not, who? Not, Wait a second. He wasn't part of it by whom was he informed? Uh, he w- my my, my uh, fiancé was informed that he was not part of... Of the designation of beneficiary. Okay, and you have uh, you have the documents that show who was designated. No. Okay. Well, until uh, you actually see the documents, uh, you, you can I can inform you that you're not part of mine. And uh, so what? You have to see the documents. No, this is true. We we have trouble getting them because she didn't have she. She died suddenly of a of a devastating. All right, cancer. and Cal and Calpers. Uh, if you contact Calpers. Uh, and you say, I am the son, uh, can I please see the documents, or am I a beneficiary, and here's my address. Uh, just because stepbrother said you're not part of it, okay, stepbrother can say that all day long. Uh, but you have to uh, be told one way or the other. And I think if you ask CalPERS uh, saying, I believe I'm a beneficiary, they will tell you. Okay, and then if, okay, so if he, he's done the CalPERS thing, and then he's turned around in the state of Oregon, and he has filed with um, with the courts there um, from somebody else telling us recently um, that back, you know, uh, right after she passed away, he filed an affidavit of successor. You can't something. do that. They're a successor to what? A, a what happened? A probate has to be opened, and he can file all the affidavits he wants. 
And uh, you can go in and say, hold on a minute. If you heard about it, then what you do is uh, you contact the courts. If there's if there's money here, Lori, is there is there money? Yes, because it was forty something thousand, and then after her her credit cards and stuff, that they'll be taking some. But then uh, she passed away. No, I get it. But you're talking about the entire amount of money we're talking about is in the forty thousand range, right? Um, just part of. That, okay, and yeah. how much? Wait a sec. Just part of what? Well, see, the the right after she passed away, her father passed away, which also opened his property up, which is two hundred and. All right, but wait a sec. If she uh, dies and her she she dies first, uh, do you know about her will? About his about one. his will, he didn't have one. So he had he had one. But and who does it name? Who does it name? It named um, her, and in, 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 in if she passed away, it named her children. Okay, so the kids have a case. Yeah, I think you're going to need a probate and a state lawyer for all of it. It's a mess. You have a mess going on. Okay. And there's too much complication. And the problem, well, you have a property worth a couple hundred thousand dollars. Yeah, there's enough money there to uh, to justify a probate and a state lawyer. That's where you have to go on that one. And you can find... Do you have anybody... Do yeah, what, yeah, go to... Have... Yes, yes! Would you recommend us? Yes, go to the go to go to handleonthelaw.com. Okay. All right, handleonthelaw.com. All right. All right, there you go. God. Do I sound like I'm a little impatient today? I should have just calmly said, "Yes, I do have one." Instead of screaming at the top of my lungs, "Stop it. You asked me for a referral. I have one for you. You don't have to explain anymore." Thank you. Okay. Why don't we move on? Uh, hello, Bill. Welcome yes, to hand. I'm welcome, Bill. welcome to hand on the law. What can I do for you, Bill? Oh well, Bill, uh, debt relief. Yes. Say you got twenty thousand in credit card debt, and they re- reduce it down to uh, fifteen thousand, and you pay off that uh, fifteen thousand over, say, a three, four, five year period. Now you've been relieved of five thousand dollars. Yep. Are you? You're going to have to pay tax. Yeah, it depends on uh, depends on the state. Uh, no, it depends on uh, whether or not the feds are going to go after that. That's number one. Uh, number two, it's over a period of years. And is the uh, is the financial institution going to even report they forgave the debt? I think you're okay. I really do. The problem is, uh, do you say, I've forgiven of this debt? No, you know, you just say, here's the amount I paid uh, in interest. They, and I don't even know if you do that with uh, the feds when filing an IRS uh, return. If you talk about the amount of money that you've paid in credit card debt, uh, whether or not you have negotiated a lesser payment. But the bottom line is that, yes, that's considered income, but it's considered income over the three years. So it's, what, $1,600, $1,700 a year income? Does it change much? I don't know. If you get audited, you'll be tagged for uh, 800 bucks in income tax. So I don't know if I would do it or not. And uh, the answer to your question would uh, have to go to my accountant, which I'll be more than happy to give you the number of uh, if you send me an email. But that's a good question, actually, because uh, there is debt forgiveness, and that is income. I mean, that is technically income. Not only technically income, it's income. This is Handle on the Law.
Kennedy. More stimulating talk. Bill Handel here. This is Handel on the Law. Marginal legal advice. Stella, welcome to Handle on the Law. Thank you. Can you hear me now? Yes, I can. Oh, good. Okay. Question is about divorce. Um, if I file a divorce, like uh, with the, uh, my husband, uh, future ex husband, in absentia, meaning no place to serve him, um, the only address he's got on file is my where I still live, so he, he gets his mail there sometimes. So uh, if I file a divorce but I can't find him, or if I say something like that, will it still go through? And yeah, yeah. You do it by you do it by publication. You serve him by publication. And there's a whole bunch of rules that you have to run it in a newspaper of general circulation and a bunch of other stuff. Uh, but, yes, you can do it. And you have to will do Will they be able to tell me at the clerk's office how to do all that stuff? Yeah. Yeah, they will. Uh, and you can okay. look it up. You can look it up on the Internet. But I think you have to make uh, more than reasonable attempts to find him. Uh, and you, you have to go through a bunch of steps to try to track him down. You can't just arbitrarily uh, say, I don't know where he is, when, in fact, you know that he lives oh. a half a mile away. Uh, but right. my question is regarding the mail. So the mail comes to your address, his mail. How does he get it? He comes every so often and picks it up out of the mailbox, or I do see him from time to time. Then what you have to then? Oh yeah, I can see the problem. But he walks away. He yeah, walks the away. problem is that he has to be served, and you can't serve him. Exactly. And you, and you don't know when he is uh, going it's to be. So I think yeah. the argument is uh, is that you don't know where he is. The fact that he shows up arbitrarily to, uh, to get the mail, you can't have someone wait for him for weeks at a exactly. time. Uh, so exactly. I, I think you can do it by publication. So you want to look Does at it all... take longer? Yes. It. Yes. It much takes longer. it takes a period, not much long, but it takes a period of time. Uh, okay. you, you publish and you give time and then uh, it's, yeah, it's not like you serve him, which uh, the service happens immediately and the clock starts ticking at the moment he is served physically. Oh, I... But it's not it's not the end of the world. Uh, okay. Yeah, how long were you married? Seventeen years. Yeah, and how long have you? Uh, We've been separated for like five years. Okay, so when did you? When did you? When did you decide to get divorced? Uh, just about last year. All right, so that you know, the extra month or two doesn't change anything, Stella. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Okay. You're okay. Right. Thank. All right. Uh, hello, Sophia. Sophia. Yes. Yes. Hi. In a, a divorce settlement finalized through a mediator about four years ago, um, my former husband and I, we set aside the California 50-50 um, agreement, and we decided that um, I would receive one property plus spousal and child support, and he received the remaining five properties and also was required to pay 100% of our uh, call it college education for our two children, and all their expenses. And just to let you know, we equally share custody. Okay. So my issue today is that um, now he is unemployed and on temporary disability, and he is seeking a modification right. to the agreement to no spousal support, yep. and I pay him child support, and I also pay 70% of the kids' college education and expenses. So I believe that he should utilize the property that he received in the agreement okay. and to so balance I, out. I get it. So what's your question? So what's your question, Sophia? Am I wrong? No, no. What you're going to have to do is uh, in order to reduce, he's going to court and he's asking for a reduction of child support, a modification, which he is entitled to ask for based on the fact he's not working and he's on disability. 
So you can't get uh, uh, you can't get uh, blood out of a uh, turnip uh, at the Absolutely. top of uh, the heap uh, with the camel and the uh, the camel's back and the straw. Uh, right. Yeah, it's it's one of those. So uh, yes, he is allowed to go in. However, uh, the court is looking at this, and he's sitting on five properties, and now he says, "I'm disabled," and uh, and it's temporary disability. And now I want to turn it all around. I want Sophia to pay me. I want her to pay for the college. And I still keep all the property. Uh, he's going to have a hard time with that, Sophia. Okay. All right. So uh, does the court have the ability to tell you and change it to what he wants? Yes. Is it going to happen? No. Now, there may be a situation where the court says, okay, while you're on temporary disability, uh, you don't have to pay this, this, or this. But it will be a very temporary order. Okay. Okay? All right. Sounds great. You got it. Now, I'm not a family law attorney, although I do play one on radio. Hello, Adrian. Welcome to Handle on the Law. Hey, Bill. Quick question. My, My parents own a company. It is a sole proprietorship. It's been a sole proprietorship for many years. I'm highly involved in the company. My question is, if can I incorporate the business and completely kick my mother out of the company if my parents get a divorce? How well since they own it? Uh, first it's of all, 50/50. how do you, you own it with your parents? I'm just highly involved. My father plans on handing it to me. Okay, but retires. what he's going to hand you is fifty percent of the company. He's all, he can only hand me fifty percent. Right, they, right. So you're so, saying how can I kick out a co-owner of a company? Let's say they both hand it to me. Then you can then do whatever it. you want. If, they, if you own the company, Adrian, then you can kick out whoever you want. But I have, yeah. unless your mother is a complete moron, she is not going to give you her half of the company. And more no, important, and hold on, even, even better than that uh, is the partnership. I'm assuming the partnerships in uh, whatever uh, paperwork is a joint tenancy. So if one dies, probably the other one owns the whole thing. Yeah, exactly. So, so if your I'm dad dies, your mom owns it completely. So here's what you can do. Mom, let me incorporate it. I'll be the owner, and uh, I'll make sure I uh, keep you. I'll take care of you for the rest of your life. And the second you incorporate, by the way, Mom, I'm kicking you out. Okay, yeah, because my question is, if they get divorced, I want to make sure that she gets absolutely nothing. You can't, you're never going to be able to do that. You're never going to be able to do that, Adrian. She, okay. she owns half the company. I mean, I'd love to do that to my mother, too. But I can't. Unfortunately. Uh, Jana. Hey, Jana. Welcome to Handle on the Law. Thank you. Yes. What can I do for you? Uh, Well, my 17-year-old grandson has uh, been going back and forth between my house and his father lives with me and his mother's house. And now he just turned 17. He says he doesn't want to go back with her. He finally is you know, having courage, and he said he's not going back. And it's, okay. been, you know, trying yeah. to convince him. But so what's your question? So can he stay without sure. going back to court? Sure. I mean, what's okay. your, here's the point. Is she going to go into court and ask for custody of a 17-year-old? I mean, that's crazy. And, and when does, how, how many months, day, uh, days is he uh, going to be turning 18 from this phone call? Well, he just turned in a year. He just turned Okay, so he just turned 17. Believe me, a mom could go into court, ask for custody, and 17-year-old son goes, you know what, I don't want to live with my mother. It's over. 
I wouldn't I wouldn't bother. Now she could file for custody just to make her make yours and his life miserable. Oh, she's done that for all these years. Well, then he has to then what hap- then what happens is uh she, he well he can also here's a couple of other things he could do. Okay, thing number 1 is uh that uh, she files against the father asking for sole custody, and the court is going to say, uh, "What's this about?" We'll ask your, uh, we'll ask your grandson. He could also argue to be an emancipated minor, and it's right. done. And it's done at seventeen. I think the court will give it to him. Can he do that if he doesn't have a job? Yeah. Okay. Of course. Of course. Yeah, you don't need a job to be an emancipated minor, so you want to look into that. But you know, the bottom line is, I don't think there's going to be a custody issue. I really don't. Okay, thank you. Because she's a real Michiganite. Yeah, I know. I wouldn't worry about it. (laughs) Thank you so, so much. All right. Yeah, bye. Someone wants... uh, Yeah, my kids would want to stay with me, too. Only because they figure I could pay more. And I spoil them more than Marjorie does. This is Handle on the Law. Simulating talk. Bill Handle here on a Saturday. This is Handle on the Law. Marginal legal advice. Bob. Hello, Bob. Hi. Go ahead. Hello. Yes, Bob. Yes. Yeah, here's how it works. You ask me a question as opposed to me asking you a question. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm a software developer, uh, and several years ago, somebody hired me to do a software project. I wrote a specification. Uh, long story short, I had some health problems, not able to do it, and then uh, the person has now come back to me, suing me for $70,000. How original, much was the contract for? The original contract was 35000 and uh, he's basing the 70000 on the fact that he's now shopped it around to other people to do the work. And they're telling him that it's going to cost yeah. seventy thousand dollars to do it based on the specification that I wrote. Okay. So he never he never paid me anything, and uh, on top of that, he waited several years. Oh, whoa, 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 whoa! He's waited several years to sue you. Yes. Uh, how many oh. years? Uh, it's been about three years now. Mm. Well, there's still a written contract that he could argue, but I find it interesting that he has not had that software software developed within three years he hires you to do it you get yes. sick and he does nothing with it for three years yes yeah you've got some defenses i mean obviously you're gonna to have to go to court uh, has he actually filed the lawsuit already yeah it's the superior court okay yeah obviously for seventy thousand dollars and does uh, is there a lawyer involved yeah, I haven't hired an attorney. Yeah, yet. You, you, uh, you're you're going to have to, unfortunately, uh, because there are there are some arguments there that have to be made, and there it can get a little sophisticated, and it has to do with uh, has he waived 
uh, the entire issue by not going forward. Uh, now he is going and getting these bids of 70000 What were they when you stopped working? For example, if he had gone out right there uh, to uh, get the job finished and probably would have been far less than 70000 And there are, there's a, there are a bunch of issues. But uh, number one, he can sue you. He is within the statute. Uh, but there, I, I think there are all kind of defenses here. So, yes, it's time, definitely time for you to get a lawyer. You can go to handleonthelaw.com. We have lawyers there. And uh, they, uh, you want a bit, just a straight business lawyer. Nothing more, nothing less. Steve. Yes. Yes, you're up. Okay. Uh, after 20 years of working, I'm calling for a friend as a manager making super high salaries. <clears throat> they developed a sickness. And the sickness eventually read to, uh, went to mental disabled. They were um, all kind of mental problems. So two times they went to a mental institution, spent a few weeks out, and after a while when they came back, uh, they fired the person before, because of work performance, but it was really related to mental. I would think there could be a case based on, obviously, the performance wasn't there. Yeah. How big is the company? Uh, billion dollar plus. Okay, so this is a supervisor friend of yours? Well, it's a daughter, okay? Uh, okay, it's your daughter, and I'm a little confused. Uh, she is a supervisor that hired that employee, or no, she no, no, is no. she is the employee? She's the one being cut. Oh, okay, she's the one that's being cut. Uh, and the argument here is uh, she's been diagnosed with, obviously, some kind of mental disorder, correct? Schizophrenic. Yeah, well, I, 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 here's the problem, is you can argue disability, uh, under the ADA because it is a, a legitimate mental condition or it is a legitimate medical condition. But what do you do with someone who's crazy? Well, they're not really crazy. They're just, they can't perform. The well, job. okay. What do you do with someone that can't perform? Well, you've got to get rid of them. Okay. And that's the, that's the bottom line. And the only thing that actually gives her any kind of, uh, of an argument is that there is a mental, that there is a physical uh, medical problem here. There's a medical problem and it gets really sticky uh, because when that medical problem translates into simply inability to do work, for example, let's say uh, she was injured in such a way that she could no longer uh, lift things. And with a billion-dollar company, they could move her into a a different job, uh, an equivalent job or something close to where she could still work. They have to do that. But when you're talking about someone who is simply unable to work – now, the argument on uh, your daughter's side is, hey, maybe I can't do that job, but I can do this job or any number of jobs. So uh, it's I would go to an employment discrimination attorney and see if there's anything there. Well, I would think because they were offering gigantic packages. This is, like I say, one of the top. Yeah, I mean, gigantic packages for whom? Uh, for people to, to actually... To, to offer to long-time people to just to get out, back. but she did not take it at that time, which she should have. But that's well, that's but then she decided not to take it, so you can't go back and say I should have taken it. Right. So that's off the table. Uh, it's time to talk to a, an employment discrimination attorney to see if there's anything there. I have a feeling that uh, it's going to be tough because of the inability to do any kind of work. And when uh, a major corporation or even a smaller corporation, by the way, the reason I asked uh, how big a corporation, if it had been a small one, if it had been five, ten employees or under 25, I think, then there's no case uh, because uh, you know, I have a small company. My surrogacy center, I think I have 
18 right now working for me. Uh, and if someone is unable to go to work and I need that position, how am I not going to fill it? Uh, it's especially, let's say I have five employees. How do I not fill that position or how do I fill that position temporarily when, especially when it's a trained, highly trained, let's say management position? Okay, this is Handle on the Law. Bill Handel here on a Saturday morning, every Saturday from 6 to 11 o'clock. Right after this show, it's Leo Laporte. And then after that, at 2 o'clock, it's Neil Saavedra with the Fork Report. Hey, Bill, I wanted to jump in. I know I don't normally do this, but I thought it was important. I wanted to let your listeners know that you have been nominated for the National Radio Hall of Fame and that they have an opportunity to vote for you. The voting is underway now through June 19th. It's determined by the listening public. So this is not some radio industry award. This is voted by you, Bill's listeners. So if you're a fan of Bill and want to see him get into the National Radio Hall of Fame, please go to KFIAM640.com, keyword vote. That's KFIAM640.com, keyword vote. Bill is nominated in the spoken word on-air personality category. The winners will be revealed on Monday, June 26th. So please KFIAM640.com, keyword vote, and vote Bill into the National Radio Hall of Fame. Wow. Okay. Now, how do I do the show? I'm sure you'll figure it out. This is Handle on the Law, marginal legal advice, where I tell you you have absolutely no case. One of the things about uh, traffic violations here in the state of California is you don't want to get them. I mean, it is crazy. First of all, what they cost is beyond comprehension. On their face, it isn't too much. So you have a ticket that's 140 bucks, let's say, or $80 more likely. You can quadruple that or quintuple that because they add fees and assessments, court costs on top of the basic fine. I, once got, I got a ticket for $20 texting while driving for the first time and the uh and so i said to the cop all right 20 bucks i can live with that no she started smiling and go no no you have no idea what a 20 dollar ticket is these days i haven't gotten a ticket in dozens of years and so i'm looking at it's 142 dollars i go it's a 20 dollar ticket no it's 142 dollars the other thing about uh, california is if you get a ticket and you don't show up there's a bench warrant issued And if you're stopped for the next ticket, they'll haul you into jail. They will arrest you. They'll throw you in handcuffs. And, of course, the fine. If you can't afford the fine. Now, remember the fines? Keep in mind that if you get a, for example, driving in a handicap zone. Oh, driving in one of those carpool lanes. It's $347 is the fine. It'll cost you $1,200 or $1,300. 
to get out of jail. Because if you don't pay it, you could either sit and clean the freeways up. You know, the guys with the uh, orange vests that are cleaning, that are de-weeding the freeways uh, up on the on the uh, the ramps. Yeah, you're going to do a lot of that. They're in, that's a lot of fun for 40 hours or 80 hours. Or you can uh, go to jail if you can't pay the money. Well, what's going on now in California, there's a bill introduced that wants to bring uh, traffic citations out of the criminal court and it's straight into civil court. And uh, it, with that, uh, you don't have court fees, you don't have uh, assessments theoretically, and uh, the consequences won't run so high. Four million traffic tickets are uh, issued in California every year. Uh, and more than 70% of the criminal cases that are filed in California are traffic violations, people that don't show up. Isn't that special? That's why I walk. Oh, you know, once I got a ticket for jaywalking. Oh, here's a story. It's absolutely true. I think I was 21 or 22. I I got a ticket for jaywalking across a store that I was working at at the time. So a cop pulls me over and writes a ticket. And I said, by the way, I have I, I talk myself into jail. If I have a traffic ticket that I didn't show up for, uh, am I in trouble? He goes, well, let's look. There it was. I hadn't shown up. Threw me into the squad car. I go to jail. There's a mug shot. I mean, somewhere out there, there's a mug shot of me. I remember, I remember the bail was 60-something dollars. They processed me right through. I didn't actually go to jail because uh, the manager of the store came over and threw $100 down and uh, made bail for me. But mugshot, fingerprints, failure to appear. And then when I did appear, they dismissed that. Uh, it, thank goodness the judge said, don't do that again. But for God's sake, there's my mugshot out there. So point is they're going to do something in California that actually makes sense. Okay. It's time for a phone call. All right, Morris. Hello, yeah. Morris. What can I do for you? Yes, I got a situation with a lawyer. I hired a lawyer to go after the state of California, and he uh, filed a claim, and was the claim was denied. And uh, I wanted to take the uh, state of California small claims court. So the lawyer said he was going to handle it. Never heard to a lawyer, and I would like to know if I can... Well, first of all, Morris, the problem is is that a lawyer cannot take uh, go against anybody in small claims court. No, I wanted to. It's just that the I understand, but on your behalf, the lawyer was going to go to small claims court against the state. No, no, he was going to litigate against the state because the. Uh, I understand, but once they denied it, uh, well, first of all, then you then you go to court. But where did the lawyer screw you over? do anything. He filed the claim and walked out. And that's what they do. Once a claim is filed and denied, it's on you now. Yeah, but I wanted to take him to, to, to take the state to small claims court. I don't think you can. I don't even know how to take the state to small claims court. And what are you going to sue the state for? Well, they suspended my license for, uh, and they were wrong. And uh, that's That's an administrative issue. That's a straight administrative issue. You go to hearings, and eventually you can take them to court. But it sure as hell won't be small claims court, Morris. That doesn't work. Small claims court uh, is not going to reinstate your license or give you uh, the money that you're going to argue you should have had, assuming that the state is wrong. They're not going to make that determination, Morris. Never in a million years will a small claims court make that determination. It's going through the entire administrative process all the way up. And then going to court. And in some cases, 
You can't even take them to court. Did they take away your driver's license? Is that what happened? No. My uh, state license was uh, uh, suspended. They gave it back to me four days later. State license of what? I'm in the uh, portable maintenance, fire extinguisher maintenance business. Okay, and you were, and you were, so you were out four days, right? Right. And what are your damages in four days? Well, I couldn't work. I had four thousand dollars. How much did you lose, Morris? Four thousand. Four thousand dollars. You make a thousand dollars a day. On an average, yeah. Wow, you're making three hundred uh, and twenty, three hundred and fifty thousand dollars a year. Not quite that, but I'm do I do okay. All right, is it your business? Yes. Okay, so uh, you can actually prove that you lost business, that you that the business you had, you couldn't make up. That's correct. Okay, uh, good luck. It's going to be denied. You have to go all the way up the administrative uh, the administrative ladder. And then you can try to sue for four days. And I will tell you, after you've paid tens of thousands of dollars to an attorney, Morris... Maybe you'll get your three or four thousand dollars back. I'm willing to bet by the time it's said and done, you're going to be out at least thirty, fifty thousand dollars to make your case. But you might win. Go ahead and do it. Damn right, I'm going against the state. This is handle on the law. Not a yes sir, not a follow up. Fit the box, fit the mold, have a seat in the foyer. Take a number. I was lightning before the thunder. Saturday morning, and welcome to Handle on the Law, marginal legal advice when I tell you you have absolutely no case. Giovanni. Hello, Giovanni. Yes, uh, my wife's father is going to get married. Um, In the will, because he's leaving everything to her, and he's having some health issues right now, Uh, the new fiancé... Say he passes one, he passes away. Even though he doesn't uh, change the will, can she still take some? Well, she can like, try, but if it's uh, yeah, it's not going to. It's probably not going to happen very much unless he transfers assets, the house, into joint tenancy or tenants in common, uh, or changes the will and simply leaves it all to uh, your his uh, new wife. But assuming he doesn't change the will, I don't think there's a problem. Thank you. Okay, so uh, the trick is. Uh, to uh, kill him before uh, his new wife uh, has undue influence. Because what normally happens under these circumstances is, I love my kids, I love my kids, I love my kids. Uh, New fiancé, I hate my kids, I hate my kids. All of it goes to my new fiancé who isn't too bad in the sack and I'm 80 years old and you know what? Hey, she closes her eyes and pretends I'm 40 as long as she gets the money, right? Right. Eva. Hello, Eva. Yes. Yes, ma'am. What can I do for you? Okay, I have a question. I am preparing my taxes, and I went through the modification program because my home was upside down. Mm -hmm. So I applied through my lender, and that was approved last year. So in January of 16th, 
everything was approved, and they deferred like $68,000 off my principal balance. Well, this year, well, this month, last month, I received a 1099 for that total. Yeah. Which I'm supposed to add to as income. That's correct. To this year's tax. Okay. But my agreement with my lender was that they were going to do it over a three year period. I mean, parts of it. They were going to modify it uh, a third, a third, a third. Correct. Okay. So. But, so then why are they taxing me the whole amount? I don't know. But you want to talk. But I, here's the problem is, Eva, I would give you the name of my accountant because I have no idea why you can or cannot deduct it over a three-year period. But thanks so much for the call. I don't know why people call me about tax questions. You might as well call me about plumbing questions because I probably know more about plumbing than I do taxes. Yes, what you do is how, Bill, how do you go from a half inch or three-quarters inch to a half inch? Well, you have to get the reducer. Now, are there taxes on it? Call my accountant. Mike. Hello, Mike. Hello, I have a question about family law. Yes. Um, okay, I went to court with my ex-wife over child custody and child visitation, and this whole thing started like 10 years ago. Okay. Um, they raised my child support over the years, and last time we went to court, my ex-wife, her lawyer requested retro support, which it was the difference of when my child support was lower to when they raised it. Uh, but, he wants to, but he wanted it retroactively? Yes. And the court gave it to him retroactively? Yes. Wow. Okay. That's bizarre. Uh, so my question is I'm trying to go back to court with her. Yes, and, you, have uh, to, you have to go back to court because that's strange uh, because uh, that's weird. So what, how old is your child? Uh, she's 12 now. All right. So let's say he waits uh, six years, uh, seven years, right, when the kid is 17, let's say five years, and says, I should have gone into court five years ago and gotten an extra $300 a month. Therefore, I want X number of thousands of dollars because I should have gone in and asked for it. Mike, this makes no sense. You have to appeal it. I, I don't do family law, although I play a family law attorney on radio. Uh, retroactive child support, and I've heard of it. But why don't you wait until the kid is 17 and yeah. get all of it, get hundreds of thousands of dollars at one time? So I don't get this. When well, well, when was the retroactive child support? Well, no, I was paying the child support. The lawyer just requested the difference. No, I understand. Uh, the difference from when? Uh, How far back did the child the retroactive, the additional retroactive child support go? Uh, this was about, I think, Three years. All right. So, so, so the judge said you uh, retroactive child support goes back three years that you have to pay extra dollars. Correct. Wow. All right. Well, do you have a family law attorney? No. You have to get one because I have no idea uh, how to deal with that. It's definitely time for a family law attorney. I I don't even know where to go with that. I'm assuming you know I've heard of this, but I I'm just thinking: is there a time limit? I there isn't. I don't think there is uh, child support uh, time uh, statute of limitations. So uh, I don't. But I think it's for it's ongoing from the time you first file. It goes beyond that. I don't think a parent can wait fifteen years, for example. And so, <coughs> so when a child, let's say, is fifteen years old and there's been no child support asked for or ordered by the court. 
uh, a parent walks in and says, you know what? I want 15 years of back child support at $1,000 a month. So that's 12000 times 15. Uh, that's $180,000. Do you mind? Really crazy. All right. This is Handle on the Law. AM 640, we're stimulating talk. Bill Handel here on a Saturday. Welcome aboard, everybody. This is Handel on the Law. Marginal legal advice where I tell you you have absolutely no case. Bernice, a child support question. Again, oh, we're doing a lot of child support today. What can I do for you, Bernice? Uh, Yes. Uh, Forty years ago when my daughter was uh, 10, my ex-husband disappeared, quit his job, and and went off into the sunset. And I was wondering if child support was forever, if I can go after him. Well, you know what? You know, that gets interesting because uh, does the statute toll when someone disappears? And the answer is yes, except I don't quite know. uh, How old's your kid? She's now 50. 50 years old. And the... uh, yeah, my guess there isn't going to be a judge that's going to pay attention to it. But here's what I'd like you to do is if you wait another 10 years to call me, <laughs> then it'll be 50 years instead of 40 years. John. Hello, John. Uh, yes. Hi, Bill. Yeah. I have a question about binding arbitration. Yes. I got to read something from the Code of Civil Procedures real short. Um, this is Section 1282.2. Of course. Uh, D, and it says the parties to the arbitration are entitled to be heard, to present evidence, and to cross-examine witnesses appearing at the hearing. But this is the important part. Rules of evidence and rules of judicial procedure need not be observed. Okay. Now, what does that mean? That means you don't, that that, uh, hearsay can be introduced, that evidence that normally would be excluded would be introduced, in other words, the rules of the court. You heard objection. You know, you, you see that all the time in court shows. I object, Your Honor, that's overreaching, haven't laid a foundation. All of those arguments, uh, none of them uh, are part of it. You could throw the kitchen sink in the arbitration hearing. Well, that didn't happen. They they objected because of hearsay. No, then they can't. If, then then well. what happened is the arbitrator, if the arbitrator ruled that hearsay wasn't to be admitted, when it specifically says the rules of judicial procedure and court rules are not to be followed, uh, then I think you've got a you certainly have an appeal there because none of that makes sense. Uh-huh. Un- unless I think the arbitrator maybe sets up the rules beforehand. And I don't know if the arbitrator has the ability to say we are going to follow the rules of judicial procedure. Uh, and I don't know if he uh, has the power. It may be under the uh, civil statute that he doesn't. But either way. I I would uh, certainly uh, uh, I would certainly just talk to an attorney because if uh, the arbitrator doesn't have the power, the whole thing is going to be thrown out. You'll immediately appeal it and go back to another arbitration hearing. How much did you get nailed for? Well, it was a medical malpractice thing, and they just they, he he said right up front on his paper he says his, he thinks his job is to rule first on the ob- objections. So that's all he did was rule on the objection. I would, I, I'm not an attorney. I yeah, know. yeah. I, I think I said, how, how much are you asking for? 
uh, well, this was quite a while ago. It was just the minimum, I guess. But uh, okay, so he it's, didn't listen to anything. Yeah, else. no, it, it happens during arbitration. I, I once got nailed at an arbitration where it was uh, there was no way in hell the arbitrator was going to listen to anything I had to say. Yeah. I mean, anything. It was so obvious. And I had agreed to binding arbitration like an idiot. Today, I wouldn't do a binding arbitration if someone stuck a, a, a literally a gun to my head in my business. That's the way I think. Oh, uh, that's absolutely uh, the way you think. All right, take care. Okay. Uh, yeah. Now, for example, in my business, if someone has a complaint about me, here's my retainer at uh, in uh, my surrogacy practice, and that is, uh, if you have a problem with me, right? We don't go to court. All right. We don't go binding arbitration. Here's what we get to do is we go to mandatory mediation. And when that doesn't work, uh, it's mandatory, of course, non-binding. Mediation is always non-binding. Then we go to mandatory non-binding arbitration in front of a three-judge panel that's set up by the American uh, Arbitration Association. Each judge getting, I think, $1,500 a day, something like that. So that's $4,500 a day just for the judges. And that can last three, four, five days. So you're into it, uh, I don't know, another $10,000, $12,000. Then we go to court. And so before we even get into a court, you're going to be out. I'm going to be out, too, because everybody pays for their own attorney's fees. Because, of course, that means you're getting an attorney in there, too. Let's not forget that, too, who's going through mediation and binding arbitration or non-binding arbitration for a a week. So there's $25,000. So by the time we're all said and done, you're out $50,000. I'm out $50,000. Would you like to sit down and really settle this thing? Or would you then like to go into a two-week trial at the end of that process? And then we're both going to be into it about $120,000 or $150,000 before a decision is made. You want to start talking? Yes or no? Now, we've never had, once I put that in, I had one arbitration where I told you I got killed. I just got killed. Someone couldn't get pregnant and sued me. And in the end, we're at least moving into arbitration, and the arbitrator just looked at me, was disgusted with the whole thing of surrogate pairing. I actually had an arbitrator look at me and said, so you're the kind of person that does this, huh? This surrogacy. That was the start of the arbitration. You can imagine I I did very well. You can imagine. Oh, it was crazy. So anyway, uh, that's what I think of binding arbitration. However... When it comes to medical malpractice, let's move into a different direction. You cannot not agree to binding arbitration. You just can't do it. Otherwise, you're not going to get any medical help. I'm a member of Kaiser. There's part of the agree. You want to you want to be a member of Kaiser? Binding arbitration. You're not going to court. And every doctor you ever go to is going to give you a document that says if we have a dispute, it's binding arbitration. Carlos. Hello Carlos. Good morning. Yes. Hello, yeah. Go ahead. Okay. About a year ago, I was um, I was working for this uh, uh, third-party logistics company. I was a supervisor uh, for Christmas. They gave us a bunch of uh, gift stuff, um, and so I took it home. Uh, they they made us sign a paper that we couldn't sell it. Um, my oldest son, uh, eighteen-year-old, uh, going to college, unemployed, decided to sell all those items. Uh, the company found out, and uh, they they let me go. Okay. 
they they didn't want to give me unemployment, but I took it to a court to to the judge, and uh, I um, they ended up giving me unemployment. Yeah, that makes sense. I mean, I would I would have thought you would have won uh, that case because that that the firing was not for cause. All right. So, what's your question? Can I sue the company for any time that I you know? No, I- probably not. Probably not. Because you're not, uh, what you are not is a protected class. Uh, well, Carlos, you have a Hispanic name, but you'd have to argue you got nailed because you were Hispanic, and that's not easy to do. So uh, the quick answer is no, and uh, even the long answer is no. It's just no with a bunch more O's on it. This is Handle on the Law. This is Handle on the Law, Marginal Legal Advice. Hello, Ann. Oh. Yes, ma'am. Yes. Uh, Okay. I was a tenant. The property was sold. My deposit transferred to the new owner. The new owner refused to talk to me. I was wondering, is there a statute of limitations on the... Yeah, when you leave. When you leave. Yeah. Yep. When, I mean, there's no statute until you leave. And then when oh, you gone. oh well, okay so how long has it been since you've been gone? I moved out August. All right. Well, how long has it been? I I don't do dates. How long Five has it been? Six months. Five six, six months. months. Were you ever given a statement? Uh, a I guess uh, I don't know what the hell they call them. I used to know that, but an accounting. Were you given an accounting when you left as to how much was the deposit and how much they were in fact uh, keeping of the deposit? No. None of that. You can sue for the entire deposit back. Okay. All, every dime. Okay. Okay. Go to small, go yeah, to small, small claims absolutely. Court, right? You go to small claims court. Yeah, the, the, the law is really clear. Is that a landlord, I think, has maybe a month now. It used to be three weeks. Uh, the law always changes. So it's either three weeks or a month uh, in which the landlord has to give a full accounting. In other words, here are the damages. Here's what we're keeping the money for. And here's why. Wear and tear cannot be included. For example, we have to repaint the walls. Well, if they just gotten old and cruddy, no. But if you've left big holes in the wall because of painting, uh, because uh, you've put pictures in or whatever, tell you've installed a television, for example, 
and it's a wall-mounted TV and there's a three-inch hole in the wall, yes, they can come back and they can patch it, which they will, the landlord will, and then pay and then charge you for the patch and the paint. That uh, the landlord can absolutely do. But other than that, uh-uh. Mark. Hello, yes. Mark. Hi. Yes. Um, I was told to get right into my story. So yes. I've, I had an amendment to a, a, a child support order. Or we rent and renegotiated it. I was paying twelve hundred dollars a month, and I went bankrupt. And I still paid it even the, even after I went bankrupt. But it got to be too cumbersome, and I renegotiated it down to six hundred, which is still hard. I mean, because I can't work. I mean, I can work, but I can't find a job. I'm fifty three. I own a business, and um, uh, she. The last time we we renegotiated, she sent out subpoenas to people that I freelance for. I worked in the film business, and basically they don't want to hire me anymore because it cost them a thousand dollars the last time. Because uh, they had to send the subpoena to their lawyers. Oh, they had to get, they had to go to the lawyers. So you can't get a job because she subpoenaed all of them. All right. She, she, made it, she basically made me a pariah. I mean, all right. Wants to do business with me. Okay. So in that order or in that negotiation, uh, my stupid attorney left in there that uh, when she she didn't have a job at that point that. When she got a job, she would get a hundred dollars for insurance for my kid, and another two fifty for childcare. When she got the job, she emailed me because we always email. That's always been our mo: email and text. I don't talk to her on the phone, and I don't talk to her in person. It's always been email and, and text, so we have a record. She uh, she said she sent me the bills, and I said, "Look, I don't have the money. We're going to have to go back to court." Right, you do have to go back to court. And renegotiate this. Well, it's not a renegotiation. It's a court order that reduces. Well, I have to go. I have to go back and actually get the court to go down to the statutory amount. Okay. That I should be paying. All right. So, I what's mean, your question? Like, in the it, during that during that uh, back and forth with the email, she said, "Okay, I don't want to go back to court. I'll cover it." So, what's your question? So, in the meantime. This has been two years now. She's been sending me, she started sending me bills, but she started sending them mail, but not certified. So she's been sending them priority. All right. So, uh, okay. So she's been sending you asking for additional money? She's been asking for that money that's in the order. And you have not responded? No. All right. So what's your question? I've never acknowledged them in any email. It doesn't matter. You're going to have, no, you're going to have a hard time arguing you never got them. Yeah, that okay. you can't, that's not going to fly. Okay, so what's the court going to do to me? Are court's going to either pay make you pay it retroactively, which it probably will. Uh, you're going to ask for a reduction based on the fact that you can't get a job because this is what she did. She's the one right. that made you a pariah. Right. And uh, then the judge has to deal with that because the judge has to now uh, try to figure out what you are going to pay uh, and you can't afford to pay because you can't get a job because she did it to you. Although that really doesn't have to do a whole lot with you paying for the kids. But I think it's uh, it's going to be an interesting case for the judge to deal with. So I'm assuming you have a lawyer on this. No, I, I don't. I, I'm, she just started again with the... Uh, and if you don't have any money, you may have to want to go. You may want to go just pro per and throw yourself at the court and uh, answer uh, whatever documents they have with the help of a paralegal. And uh, you, if, if you can't afford a lawyer, you just you just go for it. I mean, where's she getting the money for a lawyer? Well, she's got another job now. That doesn't mean so, she has money for a lawyer. 
I don't I don't know. I mean, how much how much can she make and support the kids and pay for a lawyer at six hundred dollars an hour? And it's not as if the lawyers who go with usually wives who have no money, but the husband has a pile of money, they'll do it because the court will order the husband to pay the attorney's fees for the wives. I don't think this is going to happen to you. Right. All right. So uh, the the thing that she's going to throw out is that I own two properties, which I have rented out. I don't even live in them anymore. That doesn't matter. That doesn't matter. That's that's part of your assets, Mark. She keeps going. She keeps like, you know, Mark, I don't care. You can't keep on telling me a story. This is what she keeps on doing. I answer the question. Thank you. God, I don't. People think I care. People think I have this heart of gold. Please tell me. Oh, I no, I understand. I feel your pain. Oh no, I get it. Oh, she shouldn't have done that. Oh, I'm so sorry. Oh, heart of gold. This is handle on the law. Bill Handel here on a Saturday morning, every Saturday from 6 to 11 o'clock. Right after this show, it's Leo Laporte. And then after that, at 2 o'clock, it's Neil Saavedra with the Fork Report. Hey, Bill, I wanted to interrupt. I know I don't normally jump on the air with you, but uh, I wanted to let the listeners know that you have been nominated for the National Radio Hall of Fame. Long overdue recognition of your time here at KFI. And they, the listeners, have an opportunity to vote you in. Voting is underway now through June 19th. The vote is determined by you, the listeners. This is not some radio industry restricted thing. It's voted by you. So if you're a fan of Bill and want to see him get into the National Radio Hall of Fame, please go to KFIAM640.com, keyword vote. That's KFIAM640.com, keyword vote. Bill is nominated in the spoken word on-air personality category. The winners will be revealed on Monday, June 26th. So please, KFIAM640.com, keyword vote, and vote Bill into the National Radio Hall of Fame. Oh, gosh. Uh, and by the way, he it's really not that important for you to vote. If you don't, you're never going to be able to listen to this show again. And if I ever see you, I'll <laughs> rip your head off. In the meantime, this is Handle on the Law, Marginal Legal Advice. Uh, when I saw this figure, I was stunned. Uh, As you may know, California has more people incarcerated than any other state by a long shot. I mean, lots of people. I'm talking about 130,000 inmates. You know how much it costs to house a prisoner in California? I thought it was about $30,000, $35,000 a year. Well, actually was last time I looked, maybe three, four years ago. $75,000 a year to house each inmate. Now, if they, instead of going to prison, they had gotten into Harvard, for example, Harvard is cheaper per year than housing these inmates per year. The price has doubled since 2005. And even the costs related to overcrowding have reduced the population by one quarter. So how is that possible? You reduce the population, and yet at the same time, per person, it increases. It'd go go the other uh, way. Fewer people, fewer costs. 
Uh, no, au contraire, mein frere. And I'll tell you why. Because all the people that, have, that are released early uh, are low-level prisoners. The high-level prisoners need more care, if you will, more guards. And so that is just terrific. Wow. And I live in California. Oh, man. Just drives me nuts. Also, uh, lawsuits have been filed uh, mandating that prisoners are given more mental health treatments and facilities and care and drug abuse and all of that. You know, it's just cheaper to be a prisoner. You do better than, for example, being homeless. All right, let's go ahead and take some phone calls. John, welcome to Handle on the Law. Uh, I was curious to find out if uh, non-compete agreements are actually valid in the state of California. Are you an employee? I am not. I'm what they call a freelance technician. Uh, yeah, they're totally, totally non, uh, they're null and void. You can't do that as a technician. The only time there is a non-compete that is, uh, in fact, being able, uh, able to be upheld is if you sell a business. Okay. And or sell, let's say, uh, sell a, a list of, uh, of clients uh, and okay. part of the agreement is you're being paid for the uh, non-compete. But uh, you can go ahead and uh, sign all the non-competes, and they're totally totally null and void. Now, a couple things you can't do is you cannot steal anybody else's clients. Yeah. Uh, you, you have to be very careful. You can't steal ideas that you've gotten and use them in another business. Those are all civil issues. But the non-compete okay. in and of itself, mm-mm, can't do it. Null and void, Okay. Okay, so basically I can't say go to, say I, say this company I'm doing work for services this company. I can't go and steal that company from them, basically. No, no, that is, if that were to happen, I would sue you. Because that's interference with contractual uh, agreement gotcha. or contractual relations. However, here's what happens all the time. Let's say I leave, and I'm mm-hmm. simply letting my clients know, hey, here's where I'm going to be. And if you want to come with me, it's up to you. I'm not mm-hmm. soliciting I'm simply, gotcha. I'm simply informing. That's it's a thin line, but uh, in reality, okay. the courts don't like to nail people unless it's really clear that uh, clients are being stolen. What kind of work okay, do you do, yeah. John? What kind of work do you do, John? Uh, telecommunications installations, um, troubleshooting. Okay, so like you, you uh, so you plan on stealing clients, of course. Eh, eventually. Eventually. How about uh, when you leave? Like three seconds after you leave? No. Oh, okay. You're going to wait a day. All right. Fair enough. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Hello, Bob. Bob, welcome to uh, Handle on the Law. How are you? Yes. Okay, never mind. Um, I have a question for you, and uh, it's with the traffic ticket. I was... Uh, we'll say speeding could be a good word. I was doing about 106 miles an hour. Oh no 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 no! You're you no you went past speeding about 30 miles an hour ago. <laughs> yeah, I know. And the cop, the cop saw me. So um, on the ticket, it is um, not. It wasn't on the radar. So my court date's coming up soon. I was wondering. Oh, I also had an unsafe lane change. What can I do to? Make sure, I, I don't know, what can happen. Can I lose my license? Or? Mm-hmm. Yeah, because you're going to have a reckless. Has they charged you with reckless or speeding? A speeding, I believe. But it's a, but it yeah. clocked you at 106. Yeah, it was approximate because it wasn't on a radar. All right, so you're going to have to argue how approximate is approximate. 
Uh, and you're uh, going to be up, and you're going to simply say, you know what? I wasn't doing 106. I was doing 46. All right? And, and the cop, yeah, I don't think that would slide. Really? Uh, the cop was off yeah. by 60 miles an hour? I would have argued that. Uh, but uh, So you're going to say, uh, nope, I wasn't doing that. The police officer is simply mistaken. Then the police officer, and then you're going to say, did you, radar, no. And so how did you know I was speeding at that rate of speed? It's an approximate rate of speed. Uh, and based on what? Uh, and the judge will go, what's your experience? And the cop will say, and it may even be a city attorney getting involved, because if you're being tagged for if you're being tagged for uh, reckless, uh, which I think you're right into misdemeanor, then there will be a city attorney going after you. And we'll it ask. It was wrote as an infraction, not a misdemeanor. Then, uh, you know, plead guilty and see what you can do uh, and see what they're going to give you. And uh, Do you think I could argue, say, hey, I wasn't doing 106, sure. I was doing about 95? No, that's not going to help. Uh, what you want to do, here's what you want to do. You want to find out where the threshold is between speeding and reckless. Okay, and I would need to speak with a lawyer for a little yeah, bit. No, you, call, you find out. You call the city. You call the city attorney's office and say uh, the uh, the people who do traffic enforcement and just say, hey, where's uh, where's the line between speeding and reckless? And let's say okay. the line is 84 miles an hour. Your Honor, I was actually doing in the low 80s. And the police <laughs> officer, I mean, that's all you can do, Bob. I mean, what all else right, you, yeah. what else are you going to say? The cop, Unless the cop is blind. There was actually two of them that pulled me over. On That's even worse. Did one of them have a seeing eye dog? <laughs> no. All right. That's uh, yeah. You've got you've got an issue there. Uh, you don't have to have radar. Radar just wraps it up because the police, especially one's been around for a while, is saying, "In my experience, I've been driving for thirty years or twenty years, and I can tell how fast someone is going because I've been doing this forever. So it's not going to be exact." Now, if it's a wobbler, let's say you're being tagged uh, in a 65-mile zone for 69 or 68 because the cops had a bad day, couldn't get laid the night before, and you're the one that got tagged for it because he's in a bad mood, there you have an argument. But not at 106 miles an hour. Uh, No, that does not fly. This is Handle on the Law. KFI AM 640. More stimulating talk. Bill Handel here. Welcome to Handel on the Law. Welcome back for Marginal Legal Advice. Hello, David. Welcome. Yes. Yes, sir. What can I do for you, David? I was just curious if you can do like I heard that uh, Gene Simmons did OJ's nickname. And made money on that. What is it? What do you mean? Did he did like a? 
Hang on, let me shut this off. Sorry. He did uh, like a registered trademark. Okay, on that. Do you all right. Go Daddy for that, or how do you do something? Yeah, like you that? go to Go Daddy, but no, so what name uh, you want to do, David? That's uh, not going to work. Well, how do you do what? What they say that you just sign. You just, you just sign up with uh, Go Daddy, but that's but Go Daddy just gives you a. It's not a trademark. I mean, you have to actually apply for trademark, and Go Daddy is simply to get a website. To see what's available, so it becomes a .com or a .net and whatever name you want to use. So that's well, what that's what GoDaddy that's what GoDaddy does. Okay, um, what what would he have done that with, or how do you go about doing it? I mean, if I tell you the name, it's probably going to go nuts. Well, pretty no, good. Yeah, what what name are you? Go ahead. Well, if I tell you, then it'll probably go nuts. And, you know, if I can make money on it, I'd like to, if there's okay. some kind of way to do it. Yeah, David, I, I'm actually looking at a name here on the screen. And here's the problem, okay? And that is, you see this name on hotels all over the world, right? You see yeah. this name on uh, products that are sold all over the world. Why do you think you could trademark a name that's already used and no doubt has been trademarked uh, for years and years and years since that is a name that is out there. Why don't you trademark? I'm not why don't you use his last name? All right, but why don't you Donald? Could go that route. Yeah, well, that's not going to work. How about Coca Cola? I would try that nope. one. Nope. Nope. That's not going to work. But, okay. How about American Express? No, that's you want me to tell you the name. Sure. I mean, if it goes nuts, is there? Is yeah, there no, you can grab it. I'll, you know what? If it goes nuts, I'll make sure that I call in right now and get your trademark. Okay, guaranteed. What's the name? DJ Twitter. DJ Twitter. And you yeah. want to you want to trademark DJ Twitter? I don't know if you can because it's got Twitter in it. Uh, no, you probably can't. Twitter owns its own name, so uh, everybody's cracking up that I've talked to about it. Everybody is. No, no, no. I really don't. I really don't. Uh, DJ Twitter is that Donald uh, Donald J? uh, Oh, Twitter. Okay, Trump Twitter. Uh, Yeah, that's pretty lame. Uh, So the answer is uh, no, Uh, no, no, no. Mark, hello. Yes. I want to know if I am the victim of a legal term called detrimental reliance. Well, you can ask. Uh, so you want to give me a story here? Yes, this is the story. I was going through the phone book in a desperate attempt to find a certain shrub that is in the nursery trade under different forms. But I specifically was looking for one that is unlike them, even though it has some similarities. One nursery that I called claimed to have had that specific shrub. I didn't believe it, so believe it or not, within an hour I had my mom call as a different person to ask if they had that shrub. They indeed said that they had it. The nursery is 28 miles away. We went down there. They didn't have it. It was just a method of them to get us in there. Oh, we have other ones that are just Right, okay. So what's your question? What remedy do I have? All right, well, let's look at your damages. Uh, You certainly have uh, gas, 50 cents a mile, uh, which is what the IRS gives you, or 52 cents a mile. Let's call it 50 cents a mile. At 28 miles, uh, that's $14. Okay, Okay, that's one damage. You can probably argue $14 back the other way. So now you're at $28. Uh, you could theoretically argue the time that you spent going there, but this was this a weekend, Mark, or during the week? It had to be done during the week. Okay, and does your mom work? 
No, she doesn't. That's a problem. So there's no damages there. So the way I can see it at this point, you may have 28 bucks worth of damages. It's going to cost you $200 to file the lawsuit uh, in terms of uh, the filing fee and... Uh, Limited the- jurisdiction lawsuit? What the hell does that mean? What do you mean limited jurisdiction lawsuits? Small claims. Where else are you going to go? It's 28 oh. bucks, Mark. Okay. You're suing for $28. Okay. And uh, so it's 200 bucks. And if I'm the judge, Mark, I'm going to look at you and go, really? Oh, by the way, how do you prove that they said yes as opposed to we don't know? Because oh, you I don't... brought my mom. It doesn't matter. Of course she's going to lie for you. My mother would lie for me. Yeah. Okay. So, uh, yeah. So, Mark... Uh, but I do want to congratulate you, all right? Because this is the lamest question of the week. So you've just made lamest question of the week. We should have a prize for that. And I don't quite know what we can do with that. Detrimental reliance. Oh, my God! This is Handle on the Law. And I cut off my t-shirt sleeves and claim a new continent till I saw your face in This is KFI AM640, more stimulating talk. Bill Handel here, and welcome back to Handle on the Law, Marginal Legal Advice. Radu, welcome to Handle on the Law. All right, I got a quick question for you. Me and my wife been to the house. You know, this is a terrible line. Radu, you're on a uh, cell phone, right? I am. Uh, can you hear me better now? Yeah, it's a little better now. Yes. All right, sounds good. Me and my wife rented a house back in August, and uh, we didn't really have a chance to check out the house too much because we just moved back from Arizona. But uh, <clears throat> we, uh, the house itself is a great house, but all the windows in the house leak air into the house. And in a time like this... Excuse me, all the windows point, what? They leak air. They leak air. All right. Yeah, so you can feel like if you're, uh, for instance, if you walk by a window, you can feel the little draft coming in the house. Okay. Now, my, my problem is, is I have three little girls, and one of them is constantly sick. We have the heater running constantly in the yeah. house. Okay, got it. What's your, got it. What's your question? Is there anything I can suggest? Oh, yes. Oh, yeah. There's plenty you can do. First of all, you let the landlord know that those windows have to either be fixed or replaced. And that this is this place pending that is uninhabitable. Don't know if that's true or not. Pursuant to law, I would guess it is, based on the fact that it leaks and you have to heat. Uh, you can argue uh, the the court or may just say, all right, you know, what we'll do is how much is your bill, and how much uh, would it be, and you have to express, approximate this. So, well, what's your heating bill every month, Radu? Oh, right now, my literally my my gas bill is where I see it the most. My gas bill last month was two hundred ninety dollars. All right, so and you have any idea what it would be if it if the windows didn't leak? Well, the last house we we had here in Southern California, exactly like three miles away from this house, was I never had a, uh, a gas bill past like eighty eighty five dollars. Okay, so those are that that is your damage at that point. At least you have a basis for arguing. It's not arbitrary. It's uh, this is what I used to pay. This is what I pay now. And you have a couple of choices here. You can simply tell the landlord that you are withholding or you can, first of all, put this all in writing, saying the windows leak 
and I am deducting X number of dollars based on this formula, what I used to pay for the same, uh, approximately the same size house, and now instead of $88 or an average of $80, I'm paying an average of $220 or $200. Therefore, it's, uh, what, a hundred and something dollars uh, difference or 200 whatever. I don't do math very well. And just say yeah, I'm, de- I'm deducting that from the rent. Now, he can't. Yeah, I'm, not, I'm not worried about the financial aspect of it. I just want the windows fixed. Well, he may not, but here's the problem, Rodu. He may say no. He may say, if you don't like it, you can leave. Oh, that's fine. Well, then that gets me out of the contract. Oh, right? that absolutely gets you out of the contract. Once you put all of this in writing and it refuses to fix it, that's a breach of the contract because there's an implied warranty that says the windows aren't going to leak. There are certain things that are assumed whenever you rent a property. One of them being the windows don't leak, the gas doesn't leak, there's a roof, there's no hole in the roof, uh, the hot water works in all the rooms, uh, there is, I mean, uh, there's all of these implied warranties, and uh, the fact the windows leak, that's a breach. So you tell oh, yeah. them, either, I mean, either you fix it or I'm out of here. Yeah, we love the house, I mean. Well, then we tell them the to fix, well, here we go, Radu, I'm going to do this one more time. Here are your choices. You can fix yeah. it and deduct that amount. You can deduct the amount that you paid the difference and saying this is what it's costing me more than it did before. Therefore, these are my damages. Or you can simply say I'm walking out the door because you have breached your contract and therefore we have no lease. All right. Uh, Ivan. Hello, Ivan. How you doing? Hello. Go ahead. What can I do for you? Well, pretty much about four months ago, um, I bought a house. And I discovered that DirecTV had put me on collection. And the problem is that I never had DirecTV. Ah, okay. So DirecTV was probably still on the house, right? No, it was uh, on the past house where I was. Okay, so it's not... Okay, hold on, hold on, hold on. So the house that you bought did not have a DirecTV antenna? No. Okay, but the house that you previously had had a DirecTV antenna or a a dish? Never had a DirecTV dish. Never. You've never and been you've never been a customer of DirecTV. Never. Okay. Have you contacted the collection agency and said something clever like, "I've never been a customer of DirecTV"? Yes, sir. They referred me to a special DirecTV page where I filed, uh, and I thought it was taken care of. But when I bought my house, pretty much it dropped my credit score from seven seventy five to six fifty. Okay. All right. So and what you have to. Okay, then that's then what you have to first of all you have to dispute it obviously, and I would tell your lender you never had a uh, a problem, Uh, you've never had an account, but but you already bought your house and and you had an increased uh, interest rate because of that. Yes, sir. Ooh, ah, that's an interesting one. When you told your lender that you did, you tell your lender you never had an account with Directv. Because the lender obviously pulled your credit uh, score and mm-hmm. it obviously pulled a credit report. Did you ever look at the credit report? Did you ever? Did they ever talk to you about what your negatives were? Yes. And, was and the only one. That, that and that was that one. Me. All right. So mm-hmm. with that being said, you told your lender you've never had an account with DirecTV. Uh-huh. And you disputed that with the uh, credit reporting agency. Uh, no, not yet. But you've already bought the house with the increased interest rate. Yes. 
Okay, that's not real smart, Ivan. Why wouldn't you have disputed it before you bought the house because you have an increased uh, interest rate? I had sold the house. I only had 30 days to move. Got it. Okay, but you still could have reported it. All right. Uh, so I don't even know what you do at this point. Uh, because Would I be able to sue them? Maybe. Maybe. Especially if you had told them you never had an account with theirs. Ever. Yeah. And did you okay. tell and did you tell DirecTV you never had an account? Do you have yes, proof? Which, which, yeah, you, which was really hard because okay. they couldn't give me no information. I get it, I, I get it. But Ivan, do you have a do you have proof, written proof, that you contacted DirecTV saying I've never had an account with you? Emails, yes. Oh that email's fine. And and even and they never they never dealt with it. They never told the collection agency to lay off none of that, right? No. I think you need an attorney. I think you have a lawsuit there. Okay. Yeah. Um, yep. I tried looking up through you, but there were no no available ones. Well, no, it's uh, because that's a pretty, yeah, it's a subspecialty when you're suing companies. Well, in this case, you would sue DirecTV. You wouldn't necessarily sue the, uh, the agency, the credit reporting agency. So you just get to look uh, for more attorneys out there. I mean, you know, he went to handleonthelaw.com. And, uh, you know, we don't have an attorney for every field, uh, in every field in the law or every field of law. I, I don't think I think we just added one with riparian rights having to do with uh, water rights. What part of the river and how much water do you actually get out of the river, out of the dam? Always interesting. This is Handle on the Law. KFI AM 640, more stimulating talk. This is Handle on the Law. Hello, Merrill. Yes. Yes. What can I do for you, Merrill? Bill. Yes. Oh my gosh. I, I'm going to go buy a lotto ticket. I can't believe I got through. Oh, fantastic. <laughs> okay. I have, I think, what is uh, basically a, a contract case. Uh, we hired somebody who was a friend of, well, actually, he was the son in law of a friend of mine uh, to uh, do termite treatment. Oh, shoot. For um, under our house, we have an encapsulated crawl space. And um, they obviously had not done this before, so I'm trying to get rid of this. You know, why don't you just pick it up and hang it up? Oh, great, great idea. All right. Let me do that. Yeah, just pick up and hang, okay? Did it. Okay, done. we're good. Okay. All right. So, uh, okay. so they, they uh, we're going to do a termite treatment so we can get a termite bond on our encapsulated crawl space. And um, they told us that. It was the encapsulated call space was creating a moisture lock behind it, and uh, we didn't do enough research beforehand. We believed him, and so they said they had to cut open the plastic to do the termite treatment. Uh, they obviously didn't know what they were doing because it looked like slash and burn. It looked like they vandalized the space underneath. We have a dehumidifier underneath. The uh, humidity level went through the roof, and um, actually, uh, it was horrible. So. We asked them to come back. We showed them what was happening with the humidity level, and we asked them to tape it back up again. And they said, no, if you do that, it'll avoid the contract. We can't do it. But avoid what contract? Well, that's just – well, the thing is they gave us a a, a quote. Okay, you're talking about it would void the contract with them, the extermination company? 
Yes, it would void the termite bond that they were going to give us. Oh, all right. So uh, fair enough. Now, this was a licensed uh, extermination company, right? Yes. All right. And so they basically blew it and it would, uh, well, it's their problem, uh, Merrill. It's it's their problem. They have to fix it. They're the ones that, that they have to know what they're doing. Well, this was late last April, April seventh. Okay, that doesn't matter if it was last April. So, uh, because you still have a, so a ton of time. Us a bill. Well, tell you yeah, well, first said, of all, you're not going to pay. That's for starters. We have not, and we never signed the contract either. Uh, you, it's on a written. You never even signed a contract. <laughs> no. All right, that's bizarre. No. Anyway, how much damage uh, to uh, the house? Well, uh, the company that. Uh, originally installed the uh, system, we had them come back and they took a look at it and they said that they would charge us, I think, like $1,500 okay. to do it. So that's what it cost us to all put right. it back. In all right. Well, that's thing. easy. Okay. That's easy. And all you do is sue them for uh, $1,500 and don't pay the company. Oh, so you're saying in return we should sue them? No, you sue the uh, the first termite company. Yeah, the extermination the company. cut it open. I'm sorry? Uh so we should sue the company who slashed it. In Absolutely, of course. Oh, of course. And then what you do is uh, you have to have it repaired, and that's you're saying it's fifteen hundred dollars. All right, you yeah, pay, but you spend fifteen hundred dollars, so they're your damages. So don't pay the first one at all, and then sue them for fifteen hundred dollars. Oh, okay. Yeah. All right, that was easy. Oh, okay. Wouldn't you wish it was all that easy? Uh, hello, Robert. Yes. Yes. Go ahead. All right. Um, I have a question about a non-compete form. Okay. I work for, large, I work for a large corporation. They're out of uh, a different state. I live in California. I work in California, and I was wondering if the non-compete form is uh, valid in California. No, it's for... not. It's not valid in California. I mean, I, what what do you do that they wanted a non-compete uh, compete clause or a non-compete I, form? I work in a chemical business, uh, repairing uh, equipment. Uh, okay, and so they're and so they're chemicals. telling you if you leave, you can't work for a competitor. Yeah, for one year. That's cr- then. What are you supposed to do for a living if you leave? Exactly. I mean, they lowered our pay by half. All right, but when, you know, I, I, what I don't understand. I mean, think about this logically. Non competes are when you sell a business, and part of the sale is I am not going to compete in this area because I'm giving you the business, right? That's part and parcel of what I get paid. And that makes sense because if you're going to buy my business uh, from me, you don't want me to turn around and start a company and compete right against you. That makes all the sense in the world. That's totally enforceable. Now, an employee signing a non-compete form uh, is, well, first of all, it's invalid in California. But let me tell you why. Because what they're telling you, if you leave – uh, you can't make a living in your field. We're going to make sure you don't work. And if it's a two-year non-compete, uh, uh, non-compete com- compete clause, well said, Handel. If it's two years, that means you don't work for two years. I mean, Robert, how crazy is that? I totally agree with you. I think it's crazy. I just wanted to confirm before I go to work for another company. Absolutely. Did you, um, now, let me ask you something, Robert. Did you already sign it? Uh, technically, yes. I mean, I what do you mean technically? Like, what does that mean technically? That's a yes or a no, Robert. A year ago, I signed it. Okay, then you signed it. Okay. All right, then you have a signed uh, non-compete. In the meantime, it doesn't matter, does it? Because it's invalid. I was just curious. Okay, that's good. I, I, that's what I needed to know. Then that's what you know. All right. I love that. Technically, yes. Okay. I don't quite understand. Uh, yes, technically. Uh, all right. Uh, Hussein. 
Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. What can I do for you? Uh, here's my, I don't know if I have a case or not, but just in case, uh, there, I have a neighbor who's, uh, we, we live in a gated community and it's kind, it's kind of like on a hill and his house is on a, like a little bit higher elevation and he has these trees that, uh, the leaves fall every, uh, the leaves, you know, every fall that goes down on the ground, it just, it keeps going on our roof and it's clogging our roof. All the time. Is there anything we could do? Yeah, you can. Here's well, you can't force him to take the tree down, but he is certainly responsible for paying for you to unclog uh, the drains in your house because it's being caused. So you figure out how much and how often you have to someone come out and clean it off, and he's responsible for that. You bet. Now, is it oh, a okay. is it a case? I mean, I it, I don't know because here, well, yeah, I mean, technically it's a case, but uh, here's what's going on. All you can do is sue him uh, per incident. In other words, okay, uh, I had to. I, you send him a bill. You pay, let's say, eighty bucks uh, to clean right. uh, the drains, and then you send him a bill. You can only sue him for that eighty dollars. So you, right, you right. send him another bill. So maybe every three, four months, every year, you sue him for a year's worth of uh, of the unclogging. Oh, but you sit, but you sit down and say, "Hey, guy, you can't do this. You're responsible for this. So how do you want to handle it? Uh, do you want to uh, do you want to do it yourself? Do you want to pay somebody? Uh, as a matter of fact, uh, I don't even think I'd let him do it himself. What you want to do is get a company right. uh, yeah, that does it because right. they have insurance and you don't have to worry about you falling off your uh, the roof. Right, right, of course. No, I mean, it's a huge, we, we, you know, it's like a 25,000-square-foot house we're, we're talking about. So, you know. Yeah, he's a, got the money. Then he's got the money. I would, yeah. yeah, just sit down and have a conversation with him or his people or his people's people. When you have a 25,000-square-foot home, I don't think you actually talk to him. It's one of those, I'll give you my assistant's assistant, and uh, you can talk to uh, him or her. This is Handle on the Law. Bill Handel here on a Saturday morning, every Saturday from 6 to 11 o'clock. Right after this show, it's Leo Laporte. And then after that, at 2 o'clock, it's Neil Saavedra with the Fork Report. Hey, Bill, I wanted to jump in. I know I don't normally do this, but I thought it was important. I wanted to let your listeners know that you have been nominated for the National Radio Hall of Fame and that they have an opportunity to vote for you. The voting is underway now through June 19th. 
It's determined by the listening public. So this is not some radio industry award. This is voted by you, Bill's listeners. So if you're a fan of Bill and want to see him get into the National Radio Hall of Fame, please go to KFIAM640.com, keyword vote. That's KFIAM640.com, keyword vote. Bill is nominated in the spoken word on-air personality category. The winners will be revealed on Monday, June 26th. So please, KFIAM640.com, keyword vote, and vote Bill into the National Radio Hall of Fame. Wow. Okay. Now how do I do the show? I'm sure you'll figure it out. All right. This is Handle on the Law, marginal legal advice, where I tell you you have absolutely no case. Uh, Here's something that happened for the first time in 16 years here in California. Uh, The California Supreme Court has found that racial bias uh, tainted a jury selection. And the court overturned three convictions, uh, two of them for attempted murder. So this is no small thing. It was a unanimous decision. And it uh, basically was intended to send a signal to prosecutors, defense lawyers, lower courts that, you know what? you got to be really careful of those racially motivated junior uh, juror exclusions. And whenever there's a complaint made, you have to pay real close attention to it. And when you're talking about this is – I want to make a point here because the argument is that minorities have been excluded from the jury. And who are the three justices on the appellate court? And uh, they are – uh, here we go. They were appointed by Governor Jerry Brown, and one is uh, Justice Cellular, uh, Justice Liu, and Justice Leandra Kruger. And they all hail from different backgrounds. Uh, none of them have been a judge prior to coming to the court. Uh, Liu is the son of Taiwanese immigrants, was a constitutional law professor at UC Berkeley, Siolar, uh, an immigrant from Mexico, a professor at Stanford, and Kruger, an African-American, a former gov- uh, federal government lawyer who's argued before the Supreme Court. So you have three minorities. You're arguing racial bias. And unanimously, they said Latinos were excluded. Now, I don't know the underlying case in terms of how exactly the Latinos were excluded. <coughs> And it could be that you've got a jury pool issue. It could be that it was peremptory challenges. Uh, Peremptory challenges are when lawyers are given X number of challenges. They can throw people off the jury for no reason and or for cause where uh, the attorneys go to the judge, say, I'd like to remove this juror for cause, please. You know, for example, having uh, saying something uh, racial or uh, racist even or being unfit for some reason or another to sit on the jury. And those don't count as against the peremptory challenges. Problem is, if you look at it all, and I'm willing to get it, it's pretty nuanced. I don't think any lawyer said, aha, there's a Latino off the jury. I think it was a question of uh, qu- quite possibly peremptory, uh, peremptory challenges uh, and maybe a combination of those and cause and a combination of how many people were in the jury pool, whatever it is, if you're going to argue racial bias, do it in front of three minority appellate justices. Uh, I will tell you, that's the way to go. All right, let's take some phone calls. Hi, Freddie. Welcome to Handle on the Law. Uh, thank you. Okay, so my auntie 
sent my cousin to boot camp two years ago. And as he was flipping a tire, the instructor kicked his tire and broke his arm. Now, my auntie didn't do nothing then. This was two years ago. What's the statute of limitations? Yeah, I know you're okay. Uh, I think you can still uh, you can still sue. First of all, how old is uh, the kid? He was uh, 13. Oh, yeah, you're fine. Now. You actually have from the time he's 18. So there's tons of time. Uh, actually, anybody under 18, uh, the statute of limitation, you can file whenever you want. And then let's say it's a two-year statute uh, that's uh, uh, that's involved here. Uh, it starts running at the age of 18, and then it would go Perfect. till age 20. So you're fine, or they're fine. Uh, yeah, that's not a problem. Uh, Vicky, hi, Vicky. Welcome to Handle on the Law. Thank you. I have a question on inheritance money. My brother has been an alcoholic and drug addict and has been supported by the government for 35 years. So if my dad leaves him money in his trust, won't the government just take that money as reimbursement? Uh, No. No. It's his. He just won't be able to get any additional additional help from the government. Oh, because he's like on government support right now. Yeah, no, I get it, but I don't know. I don't think the government asks for a reimbursement. Uh, I think that's – you're done. Uh, Oh, okay. Yeah, I think he's fine. Oh, okay. All right, you're good. I have no idea if that's true or not. And when he gets a bill, uh, hey, you know what? Call me up and I'll tell you again. I'll just, you know what? I'll answer the other way, having no idea if that's right or not. But you know, the point of this show is not to give legal advice. It's to make people either feel good or feel bad. Usually to feel bad. But, you know, she's walking away. She, wow, I feel great. Isn't Handel wonderful? Well, yeah. You know, once in a while, you've got to do that. Every once in a while. It's like every once in a while, you have to give a homeless guy a buck. Okay? Once out of 50 times, here's a dollar, and uh, you're happy. Because usually, whenever there are homeless people that I pass, uh, gee, mister, do you have any change? And then uh, hopefully I have a pocket full of change. I reach my hand in. I jingle it. You know, I jiggle it so you can hear the coins jiggle. And I say, yes. I do have change. I have a pocket full of change. Have a nice day. And then I just walk on. Hey, I answered the question. What more does he want? All right. This is Handle on the Law. Welcome. Hi. Yes, sir. I 
Divorce about 20 years ago. It was a no contest divorce. I made a boo-boo there. Uh, alimony was established at $2,000 a month. I paid that faithfully through the first so 15 years. Then I, I had to take an early retirement. My former spouse agreed to let me pay her $1,000 a month. I'm just wondering what I have to do to finally get out of that. I'm well, how much? Old. Okay, Robert, let's look at the uh, alimony, the judgment. What does it say on the divorce papers? I apologize. I'm I'm not near my divorce papers. Okay, right then I can't tell you. I can't tell you because, first of all, that controls. And uh, there'll be a court order saying uh, this much alimony for this long a period of time. It, and in- I recall it, is, it established uh, until a court made it a different decision. Okay, then you go and you have to go back into court and, okay. and just argue. It's a, it's a court. That's it. It's a motion in front of the court, and that is to uh, change up uh, the uh, uh, the spousal support. That's it. That's it. Okay, there you go. Guy is, um, what is he? Is he an executive with the Mensa people? Is, uh, or do I have that wrong? Hello, Mary. Welcome to Handle on the Law. Thank you. I'm calling about a situation which I don't know how to handle it. Um, It's about real estate law, and it's about lack of standards and no one enforcing them. Everyone seems to be afraid of even going to an attorney because of not being documented. But there's a lot of problems that would come from other cultures that we simply can't control. Okay, Mary, you have to be much more specific about that. Okay. It's not usually a part of rent to pay bribes and fees and all kinds of um, gratuities on top of that just to be told you won't be evicted if you don't. How is that sewage flowing outside of the buildings? How about every single building has okay. crime because all right. that's allowed? So, all right. So the landlord is saying you pay me more money than the than what's uh, indicated in the rent agreement, and I won't kick you out. And there's opens and there's sewage outside your building monthly. There's a minion that goes door to door and does this. I don't understand. And Someone who, uh, the quality some... of life is zero. All right, hold on, Mary, Mary, Mary. Hang on a minute. Let me get down to the bottom of this. Okay, so uh, you—it's li- an apartment building. Buildings, plural. Yes. Okay, and it's uh, the landlord sends someone out every month to co- collect more rent than what is due. Is that right? Whether the company knows it or not, they encourage that because it's people who are undocumented mostly, and they're afraid, and that's why they don't even go to okay anything. All right, hold, hold anybody. But hang on. So they are hit up with they're hit up with additional rent, uh, and they're and they're undocumented, illegal, and they're afraid to do anything. That's one of the things that they're told. There's too many people ah, in your apartment. Got it. You're, you're got not it. Or you're illegal. Or I can do this right. Because the okay. Told me to. Okay. Yeah. All right. So uh, what's your question? Which way to pursue it? If you call the police. Vehicle? You call. You call. Well, first of all, what city is it? Um, it's in the valley. But the point is, that you don't understand. This company owns most of the rentals. Yeah, it doesn't. It, but it, but here is the point. What they're doing is illegal, Mary. Of course it is. And so you'd you be can, afraid if I mentioned the man who owns the complex. Oh uh, yeah, you don't want to. No, you want to. You don't want to do that. He's uh, wanted by the you know who. Okay, okay, but uh, Mary. Uh, if they're if they're so afraid of doing anything, if they're too afraid of going to the authorities and complaining because they're uh, illegal, uh, there's not much I can do because all I can do is tell you 
they have to go to the authorities. What else would you like me to say? Public counsel, and we've tried to get class action um, places well, who's, well, states okay. to take the case. Well, hang on a minute. State to take the case against whom? Uh, a class action? The management company that allows Okay, it. but they who? Wait a second. If you move, Hold on. Mary, 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 you've tried to get a class action. Who's tried to get a class action? More than one tenant that's even left building. Okay, but you're telling because me that no... Can only move into their Mary, you're telling me that everybody's afraid and no one's willing to come forward, and now you're telling me that there is there is a person that's willing to come forward and be the lead plaintiff in a class action. Is that correct? Lead plaintiff, yes. Why is I'm it... not going to be quiet about it, but the weirdest part is it's just musical chairs moving into another property that's theirs and them getting more money to put in their pocket. Okay. One way or the other, they're going to get your money. Got that's it. So, want. Mary, what would you like me to do? Does your website have anything that would lead people to um, people who aren't overwhelmed with this kind of thing from that company? Yeah, you call you call the authorities if they're doing that. You call the, the housing departments in more than one city are actually kind of cooperating. Oh, with then the I can't. Then not, I can't. If the, how, the yeah, Mary, if the housing, Mary, if the housing department is cooperating with this, these people, then there's nothing more I can do. Uh, then we're done. Then there's a conspiracy going on with the housing department, the owners, the city. Okay. Okay, fine. Uh, and don't, let's not forget the aliens, uh, because they're all part of it, too. You never know. And the CIA, probably. Uh, you know, that, that has to be part of it, too. This is Handle on the Law. So let's sing an anchor from the sun. There's a million city lights, but you know the one. Welcome back to uh, KFI AM 640. We'll see you talking about Handle on a Saturday morning. This is Handle on the Law. Marginal legal advice. Layla. Hello, Layla. Hello. Yes, my ma'am. My question is about my deceased father-in-law's outstanding medical bills. Am I in any way responsible? No, of course not. Of course not. Uh, he moved in with us. He lived with us. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. Layla, it, I don't care if he's been with you for 100 years. Did uh, he, does he have an estate? Did he leave money? He had nothing. He's got oh, then it's, a, then it's over. Now, you'll probably get medical bills for a while to your address, <laughs> and they may even name you uh, for whatever crazy reason if they do any research. And even in his name, what you do, put down, literally don't even open him. Just put down dead, deceased on uh, the envelope and you send him right back. And if uh, they keep on sending you bills, then you put down completely dead. Okay. Okay. What part? Yeah. What? Or And then you start going, what part of dead are you having a hard time understanding right there on the envelope? Layla. Do I I, type it or handwrite it? I'd handwrite it. I don't want to type it. I just, you know, let them know that. And then, uh... Yeah, and a picture of, uh, well, for me, it would be a picture of me holding my crotch and saying, bite me. But uh, oh, most goodness. most people don't do that. So I you, probably won't. I was, he did add me to his bank account. Doesn't matter. Account. Doesn't matter. <laughs> doesn't matter. You're, you're fine. You are not responsible for his medical bills. Unless okay. you signed a document saying you are responsible for his medical bills. Where would I have signed that? At, at the time he was in the hospital or when he received medical care. And it would be a statement of, of uh, responsibility. For example, with my kids, when they go in, I sign the thing. I am responsible. But short, okay. of, short of that, they're not touching you, all right? So it's not 
uh, normal practice for the hospital to give me that. No, 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 normally not. So I did find something, but I think it was about malpractice or something that I wouldn't sue them if, you know, they did so. Something about me not suing the hospital. Yeah, that's all. That's it's yeah, yeah. It's your typical arbitration agreement, and there, yeah. Don't worry about it. As long as you didn't specifically sign, I am uh, financially responsible for these debts. Okay. All right. All right. All right. You're okay. And if you did, you're completely screwed. You're screwed beyond screwed. Teresa. Hi, Teresa. Yes, Teresa. Welcome to Handle on the Law. Hi. Yes. Hi. First of all, um, I want to say thank you so much for any information you could provide uh, in advance. <laughs> so it's a pro- when you thank me in advance for information. That's a bad Thank start. Thank you in advance. For, yeah, that's, it, that's a, Teresa, that's sorry. a bad start, because I don't know if I'm going to go in that direction with good information. <laughs> but please, go ahead. Okay. So I have a two-part question. Um, I got a letter from a law firm offering their legal services for a lawsuit that has been brought against me from a creditor. Um, but I haven't been served any papers from this lawsuit, and I just learned about it from this law firm's letter. So I, is it required that I be served papers? Yes, Yes. Okay. Yes. So this this lawsuit is going nowhere until you are served. Okay. However, that's good to know. No, okay. but hang on a minute. That is uh, those are the rules. But okay, here is what ends up happening. There is uh, every time a lawsuit is filed, that's a public record. And uh, okay. for example, I've been sued a couple of times. The second that law that that's how I know I've been sued is the second that that lawsuit is filed. I get letters like crazy. There are law firms that send out all of these letters. So your lawsuit has been filed, Teresa. Okay. Now, if they don't serve you and said they have served you, which does happen, you're screwed because they're going to get a default judgment against you. Uh, so do you know how much money we're talking about here? Uh, not quite. But I have a question. If they've, well, you said that if they served me yes. but they haven't served me i'm screwed yeah because if they i said if they didn't serve you and say they have served you wouldn't they be screwed uh because theoretically you know, what happens is you have process servers and it happens all the time and it depends on the law firm it depends as a sole frac- uh, practitioner is it some sleazeball that does this is it a legitimate lawyer and a legitimate law firm that would never do that uh, ever, but if they're looking for you, eventually, Teresa, they're going to find you. Right. Well, no, that's fine. I'm not hiding. Then what you do I is I I call the law firm and say, "Hey, I'll accept service by mail." Okay. And then um, you're and then you're ready to go. Then you have 30 days to answer, and you get rid of all this looking for you, and that's all crap uh, because they're going to okay. find you anyway. And so, no, it, I, yeah, I'm not hiding. But I'm yeah, no, but I'm just saying that's that's what I would do is I call and just say, hey, you know what? I know you filed against me. Just serve me. Uh, I accept service by mail and whatever documents you want to sign. Well, here's what happened. They mail you uh, the law for uh, they mail you uh, the lawsuit itself and you sign. I have received it. and You send it back to them. And that's proper service. And then you have 30, okay. you have 30 days in which to answer the complaint. How much money are we talking about? I know you don't know exactly, but ballpark. I, I mean, don't know. I know it's under $10,000. All right. Um, I don't know exactly, though. All right. Well, then, then what you can do is just start negotiating with them uh, and see what you owe, see how solid it is. Is it a credit card debt, Teresa? 
Yes, it is. Oh, you're screwed. So it's definitely time to start calling the credit card company or the lawyer and start negotiating your brains off. I don't have the money. Can I pay you 30 cents on the dollar? Can I pay you 50% on the dollar? Uh, What can I do? And just start, uh, maybe they'll uh, waive interest and give it to you over the course of at $500 a month uh, or whatever, whatever you can negotiate. Okay. And then, so my second part is that that this law firm um, in the mailing, it said that there's a limited time for me to for them to file papers on my behalf for it. Yeah. I'm just wondering what that limited time is. Uh, 30 days from the time you accept service. From the time they served you or from the date that you uh, accepted uh, service by mail. And you have 30 days in which to answer the complaint. But I got, Teresa, what kind of defenses do you have? I mean, are you really going to pay a law firm to defend something in which you owe the money? Well, no, but they, in, in the in the mailing, they said that they were going to negotiate. Yeah, you can negotiate. Teresa, you can negotiate. Okay. Uh, and just, they can always negotiate. You can always go to a law firm, but just start negotiating your brains off. I don't have any money. Uh, are you working, by the way, Teresa? Uh, not as in, not, not full time. No. Okay. So that's what you say. Hey, I don't have, I'm not working. Uh, I, 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 there's a ton of debt I have, you know, I mean, are you guys going to force me to go bankrupt? I'll go out and borrow some money. I'll pay you over the course of whatever. Will you waive the interest? I mean, you just start doing whatever you can. They're going to play hardball and you can come back and go, you know what? I can't do that. What do you want to do? I can't do that. Well, if you don't, you're going to go to court. Well, then take me to court. I mean, I understand. I've got nothing, you know, I, there's nothing I can say. Then you turned over to the collection agency or the, uh, the attorney and they're not going to go much. They're not going to do much better, Teresa. Okay. And then, um, and am I dealing with their lawyers or the credit card company? Uh, you're dealing, it's a collection firm. You're dealing with the lawyers okay. of, uh, it's a law firm that the collection, uh, that the uh, the credit card company has hired to collect on their behalf. Okay. So you're okay. dealing with their lawyers. Okay. All right, there you go. Yeah, people don't understand. They're scared to death of creditors, but oh, we can help you. Not when you have credit card debt, they can't. What are you going to say? I didn't use it? I, I've, I def- I've been defrauded. Now, unless it's identity theft, then that's a different issue. Then if it's not your, uh, if, if they aren't your charges, different story entirely. First thing you do is go back to the credit uh, card company and say, throw this in the fraud uh, fraud division. This is identity theft. Let's go to work. That is when the collection, you have to let the collection agency know. And if they go ahead and move forward while you're arguing identity theft and it turns out to be legitimate, they're screwed. This is Handle on the Law. Sipping on this 77, never been this close to heaven. Got a pretty turned up to 11, dropping on dead on the dance floor. Somebody better call a doctor, she's a little hard stopper. I'm talking break a break a one-nighter, she's a flatliner. Oh, she's a flatliner. Tell them about it, dirt. Dang girl, I'm done. I ain't never seen no one popping it like a cold one and drop it down like oh. Oh my, see the light. I don't mean the neon kind. One kiss from you tonight and send me on to the other side. Sipping on this seven seven, never been this close to heaven. Got a pretty turned up to eleven, dropping on dead on the dance floor. Somebody better call a doctor. She's a little hard. This is Campfire. 
Bill Handel here on a Saturday, and welcome back to Handel on the Law Marginal Legal Advice. Alfonso, hello, Alfonso. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, go ahead. Okay, uh, I had to come with my girlfriend to uh, get to the dentist to uh, fix her teeth. Uh, she had a, a crown that had it replaced. Uh, she didn't have insurance, so I uh, got a credit card with them. Um, they did a poor job. Uh, she had gone back and told them that it was hurting. They had discomfort. They took x-rays. Uh, they said nothing was wrong. Uh, she gone to another dentist, took a, a second opinion. They took x-rays. They showed that they put the crown on a little, a, a little bit up too high and that it was cracked. Uh, she went and got a second opinion from another dentist where she works at. They said the same thing. She went back and told them uh, that, you know, that it was placed wrong and that it had a crack. And they said that there was nothing wrong and they refused to see her. I put in a dispute with the credit card company that I got uh, on, behalf, on, on her behalf. Uh, we got the money refunded. Now they're coming after her. So they're saying that she needs to pay for it. All right. Well, first of all, you say no, of course. Uh, yes. And uh, the, 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 the point is they did a horrible job. But you can't just say, Alfonso, they did a horrible job. I mean, you've got to end up... Uh, proving it somehow. So maybe a statement from another doctor, uh, the dentist that she went to the second time around. And you asked the dentist, can you put it in writing that uh, the first job was uh, terrible? Uh, And if you do that, you're probably in pretty good shape. Did you ask the dentist for anything in writing, a report? Uh, Yes, she did get a uh, a letter from uh, one of the uh, second dentists that she had a um, uh, second opinion from. Uh, They did give her a copy of the x-rays to show them. And they did give her a letter stating that they did a poor job. Okay, then that's enough. Then that's enough. Uh, Then you send that to the dentist and you say, you better get this out of collections because if you ding my credit uh, and, uh, you know, I'm going after you, uh, here is the proof that I have. Now, they can argue we disagree and we did a great job and we don't care what dentist you went to and you owe the money. How much money are you talking about here, Alfonso? Uh, 2200 Oh, that's a chunk of money. Yeah, yeah, it's probably worth it's probably worth fighting, and if they go ahead and ding your credit, I doubt they're going to sue uh, for twenty two hundred dollars because uh, you have uh, all of this information that you would bring the court. The issue is going to be your credit uh, from uh, the collection agency, and they may ding your credit, and then I think you simply have to dispute it and say, uh, "I don't owe this money." Uh, there's uh, they did a horrible job. I disputed it, and now they're going after me. And it's gonna it's gonna affect your credit uh, rating. There's no question about it. Then you want to possibly consider suing, uh, because if you send the credit agency all of the information, you send them as well as the first dentist. I mean, that's all you can do. Alfonso, you had a question. Uh, yes. Uh, the only question is uh, that credit. The first treatment that she got done that was poorly. And it had it went through a credit card that I had applied with them, so I paid on her behalf. Oh, the it's your credit. Dentist. Okay, it's your credit card. Yes, it was my credit card that the, the, uh, the job was done on her. Okay, they are they are they dinging? They're dinging her credit, correct? They're dinging her yes. to pay it. All right. Yes, yeah, All right, I get it. So that you just uh, it, the uh, the answer is still the same. And here's the good news, Alfonso. It's not you. It's her. Okay, so it's yeah. So it's her credit that's screwed up, not yours. Okay. So it can't be all bad, especially when you break up. Then you go, hey, at least she's taking the damn credit report with her. Uh, hello, Diane. Hi. Yes, ma'am. What can I do for you? Um, yes, I'm a, in a pro per in a probate lawsuit. It, I started it myself like two years ago when my grandma and grandpa died. Um, so I wasn't getting answers from the trustee. So um, after about 
two months, I decided to file a case um, asking her to, you know, do an accounting. So she kicked and screamed. She won it. A year went by because we kept on going to court, and she denied everything. In the meantime, I went ahead and I was told I can uh, subpoena records. So I just started doing those, you know, one day at a time, little here, little there, and I found over a million and a half dollars. So I put these notebooks together, um, you know, all in my free time, spare time, kept on going to court, never got a chance to file them. I did finally get her this removed and put my sister on as a trustee. So this new accounting that was filed, kind of based on a lot of my work, it does show that they're, um, you know, took a lot of money. Okay, how much? Um, uh, this she was the trustee. This woman, right? Yes. How and, and your is your grandma that named her as a trustee? Correct. Um. Yeah. She okay. Uh, yeah. All right. So here's the issue. How much money do you think she stole from your grandma's estate? Uh, one point two seven million. Oh yeah, it's time. Uh, Diana, it's time to get a. How much is left? Um, I only none, but I have forty thousand of unclaimed properties. Wow. She, so she cleaned out the account is what you're saying. She cleaned it out. Okay, Diane, Diane, here, I mean, it's a police issue. It's not even a lawsuit anymore. Well, uh, I went to the police, and they said because they died, you have to go back to court. You can't, you can't even, until you get a judgment and do it in probate, then you can see about filing the criminal. I don't know. That's not true. I mean, someone doesn't want to do the work. Uh, so, uh, oh, I've been doing the work. Yeah, no, no, no. Someone, uh, you go to the DA, go to the DA's office and uh, just start making appointments with people and say, come on, I was told that I have to go to court. I can't even afford to do that. And she got away with a million and a half dollars that she stole. Yeah, yeah, and I have, All right, I've Diane, that's what you, trail. yeah, Diane, that's what you have to do is go to the DA's okay. office because well, lawsuits, uh, you want to get her criminally uh, nailed. But, you know, in reality, Diane, uh, I don't know if you're going to be able to. Uh, I mean, you will, but uh, she doesn't have any money to pay back. I'm assuming she spent it all, right? She, they're hiding some of it. That's why all right. So all you can do, yeah, all you can do is try to get her criminally liable. I wouldn't even bother with a lawsuit at this point uh, because one of the things, if there is a conviction, part of it is restitution, and that's already uh, equivalent to a uh, judgment. I mean, that is a judgment. Matter of fact, it's sort of stronger than a judgment because she screws up on uh, restitution, then what she's done is uh, she's liable for going back to jail. She's going to jail. Okay, this is Handle on the Law. AM 640. Bill Handel here on a Saturday morning, every Saturday from 6 to 11 o'clock. Right after this show, it's Leo Laporte. 
And then after that, at 2 o'clock, it's Neil Saavedra with The Fork Report. Hey, Bill, I wanted to interrupt. I know I don't normally jump on the air with you, but uh, I wanted to let the listeners know that you have been nominated for the National Radio Hall of Fame. Long overdue recognition of your time here at KFI. And they, the listeners, have an opportunity to vote you in. Voting is underway now through June 19th. The vote is determined by you, the listeners. This is not some radio industry restricted thing. It's voted by you. So if you're a fan of Bill and want to see him get into the National Radio Hall of Fame, please go to KFIAM640.com, keyword vote. That's KFIAM640.com, keyword vote. Bill is nominated in the spoken word on-air personality category. The winners will be revealed on Monday, June 26th. So please, KFIAM640.com, keyword vote, and vote Bill into the National Radio Hall of Fame. Oh, gosh. Uh, and by the way, he it's really not that important for you to vote. If you don't, you're never going to be able to listen to this show again. And if I ever see you, I'll rip <laughs> your head off. This is Handle on the Law, marginal legal advice. All right, this is a little bit wonky, but I want to share this with you because it has to do with uh, the way uh, illegal aliens are now being treated, uh, especially here in California, by the way. There is a pro-illegal immigrant uh, position from government here that is astounding. You're better off being an illegal immigrant today than I think being an American citizen in California. So, But this is, I'm pivoting on this one. Do you remember the story of Ramulo uh, Avelica Gonzalez, 49 years old, Mexican uh, citizen, who's been living in this country for 25 years illegally, was picked up by ICE after he dropped one of his daughters off to school and then was driving back. His other daughter was in the car when I stopped the vehicle and arrested him with his daughter actually videoing it. So he's still been in detention. He's been there for a couple months already. And uh, of course, there's a huge outcry. My God, how do you do this? Uh, Breaking apart families, et cetera, et cetera. So what the lawyers are trying to do is backdate one of his misdemeanor convictions and have it removed. And based on that, he then is not in that priority list of people to be deported. He has two misdemeanor convictions, one for a DUI going back uh, forever and another one for uh, some kind of uh, a registration violation. Uh, it was just a regulatory offense. So, those are the two violations. And with two misdemeanors, boom, you're on the list and you're picked up by uh, ICE under the Trump administration. So uh, what his lawyers are doing is arguing that those convictions should be tossed because today a conviction like that would not be a misdemeanor. It would be an infraction. And so they're arguing, you know what? It's unfair And effectively, the argument the other way is, that's just too bad. That's what it was then. That's what the record shows. You know, that's it. Now, who is arguing against his position? And this one is uh, sort of floored me, is uh, the L.A. City attorney, Mike Fuhrer, who is probably the most liberal guy I've ever seen in my entire life. Of all the people in the world that would be pro-illegal immigrant, it would be Mike Fuhrer. Before he became uh, a public servant, 
He ran a place, and I, that's how long I've known him. I'm talking about 30 years ago. He ran a place called Betsetic, which uh, was an organization that helped elderly people deal with landlords. I mean, this guy is a bleeding heart liberal. And he is arguing against supporting Avelica Gonzalez's request to vacate his conviction. He is saying there is no legal basis to do this. And uh, we'll see what the court says. I don't think that it is going to fly. Uh, After he was arrested in 2008, he was uh, placed in deportation proceedings. He applied for a cancellation. Uh, An immigrant judge denied it. Once you apply for this stuff, it takes years. And he was out uh, awaiting court cases. Uh, He is arguing he was not originally represented by an attorney. And the waiver form he filed was incomplete and inaccurate. Uh, incidentally, you are not, uh, by law, uh, uh, allowed to request an attorney. At a, it's a civil hearing deportation, and you're not automatically allowed to bring in a state lawyer or a, uh, a lawyer paid for by the state. So we'll see what happens. I think he's going to lose this one. All right, let's take some phone calls. Uh, Brett. Hi, Brett. Brett, you there? Yes, sir. Yes. What can I do for you? Uh, okay. Quick question. Um, I, I'm a 20 year old young man living with my parents right now. And, uh, when I turned the age of 18, my, uh, my father, uh, told me I have either two options that I can pay a $500, what he calls a utility check. Or I can get out. So I chose to stay that and pay. But I mean, I'm basically, he told me that I was paying for like the water and the okay, gas. Okay, and so, can... all right, got it. So what's your question? So like, if, and do I not have like renter's rights? Can yeah. he kick me out without a 30-day notice? Uh, no, he can't kick you out without a 30-day notice. You are renting. You are, Effectively, he can call it whatever he wants, but you're renting the property from him. Brett, and so you are a tenant at five hundred dollars a month is what you're paying. Okay, all right, and you're just uh, and the rules of tenancy apply. You're an adult living in their house, and you're paying rent. And the fact that uh, you're related that he's your dad means nothing legally. Okay, then. All right, that's easy. Makes sense. Yeah, because people do get that mixed up in the way. You know, gee, is my dad okay? And we're supposed to care. Dan. Dan, you're up. Hello. Hello, Mr. Handel. Yes. I have a quick question about property line dispute. I, I have a neighbor who planted a flower bed a few inches into my property. And I'm my question is, if I don't say anything and improve my side up to her flower planters, am I giving her my land? No, no. And what you want to do is uh, simply write her an email and uh, say, I understand that you uh, are two inches into my property. I allow you to be on my property. Uh, however, you have no rights as to, uh, you have absolutely no rights as to uh, where the property line is, something along those lines. And, I'm, I'm trying to keep it positive so that, you know, we... Okay. All right. Friends. No, I get it. I get it. So uh, what I would do, if you want to be positive about it, I would say uh, you are. You have two inches into my property line, and I positively will sue your ass off <laughs> if uh, uh, if you make a claim for uh, my two inches. 
Hey, thank you so okay. much. This is Handle on the Law. And welcome back to uh, KFI AM 640, more stimulating talk. Bill Handel, this is Handel on the Law. Hello, Manny. Yes, sir. Yes, what can I do for you? Okay, well, I had AT&T come out over the summer to uh, give me direct TV. In the process, they broke my air conditioning pad. I told them you have to have it moved to, or move it with a professional air conditioner guy and four new pads. They did that. Once they did that, the air conditioner guy damaged the air conditioner. He never charged it when uh, he got through. So I wind up turning the air conditioner on. It runs. It blows the compressor. And they send me a check for $11,000. I have this thing estimated. And it's going to cost me between twelve five and $19,000. All right. Why day. didn't you? Wait a sec. They send you $11,000 before... You even came in with a, a, a bid to fix it. Oh, no, no, no. I sent them the bids, and they decided what they were going to pay me. Okay, and they only paid you 11000 out of between twelve five and 19000 Yes, sir. All right, you say, no, thank you. And you go, now, let's start negotiating. And yeah, you need, well, a, I, you I need an actual, Manny, you need an actual amount of money. You can't say between twelve five and nineteen uh, because uh, Well, they have three. They have three bids, and I told them I'll take the middle bid because this okay, and that's working. so that that's what you're saying. So you want the money for the middle bid, and they're saying no. Right. We'll give you effectively. They're saying give you eleven five, and the middle bid was what fourteen thousand. It was about fifteen. Okay, so you say uh, you're uh, thirty five hundred, forty five hundred dollars short. Now what? And uh, then they you told- start negotiating. And worst comes to worst. I mean, you have to sue them. You have to make a claim. You're gonna have to sue these bastards. And uh, the problem is, you can only sue them for. Um, the ten thousand uh, dollars, AT and T. So, uh, what I would do is negotiate and start saying, "Hey guys, I, I mean, the lowest bid I've gotten is twelve five. They'll probably give you the lowest bid, Manny. They they won't negotiate at all. All right. So now, do you? All right. So what do you want to do? You want to take them to court? But the problem is, if you Absolutely. take them to court, well, good. So you here are your choices. This is the one where you're betwixt and between. You're beyond the jurisdiction okay. of small claims court. All you can do is get ten grand for small claims court, and they're already at eleven thousand. So they've already offered a thousand dollars more than you could sue for in small claims court. So now, right. do you get an attorney? What do you think an attorney is going to cost you? I've already tried, and they told me it wouldn't be worth my money. Because that is correct because it's going. That's right. because yeah. you don't get attorney's fees on this one. So right. uh, it's that's what I said betwixt and between. So here are your choices. You can file yourself, and you're going to have you're going to be up against an attorney from AT and T, someone who has litigated before, and you've never litigated a case. Well, yep. no, but I have video evidence I of have what photographic evidence. It's the guy cutting the line. It doesn't matter. They're not disagreeing. They're not arguing liability. They're already accepting liability. The only issue is damages. That's the only issue. And if you start talking liability, the other attorney go, Your Honor. We're not arguing liability, so the judge turns you go, Manny, the liability is not the issue. I don't have to see. I don't want to see a videotape. You see okay. the problem? There's a lot of technical aspects to this, Manny, that you have no idea of what's going to happen I, I, in court. I, I, I fully understand So that. there you go. So you take your chance. You can't hire a lawyer because it's going to cost you more than anything you could ever get because you're going to lose money on a lawyer. So you have three choices. 
is uh, hire a lawyer and lose money, a lot of money. Uh, do the case yourself, and uh, the problem is you've got a judge, and if the judge uh, if the judge should give you should uh, give you at least the low bid, at least. Okay? okay, and then so it's a thousand dollars, but it's going to cost you a couple hundred dollars to file the lawsuit. And you have the process served, and they may take a deposition. And I mean, there's a lot of stuff going on here. Uh, they may just want to ruin your life if you've got a uh, if you've got someone in the adjusting department who just doesn't like you, Manny. Could say, okay, okay. you know what? We want to make Manny's life miserable, and uh, that's before you even get to trial. Or you take the eleven five and you suck it up and you put the twelve five in there because stuff happens, Manny. And uh, you I just, can't just assume for the difference. No, because you have it's you're ex- no because you're accepting the eleven five in full settlement. Okay, well I haven't cashed anything. Yet, no, I understand, but, but uh, part of it is uh, they had to send you a document saying, "Do you accept the eleven five as full settlement?" If they, they haven't, well, if actually they, they just sent a check. Cash it then and sue them for the difference. Now, uh, okay. yeah, I think you can. Now, what you have to do is look at your contract with AT and T. Well, AT and T never even uh, uh, came into the picture. This was the uh, insurance company from the. No, it doesn't. No, 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 it's not the insurance company. It's a contract with AT and T. You don't have a contract with the insurance company, Manny. The insurance company for the subcontractors who sent me the check for eleven grand. Uh, Manny, I understand, but your contract is with AT and T. Okay. Now the fact that they have an insurance company is incidental. That's just someone that covers them. You know, for okay. example, if I get in an accident with you and your insurance company, I don't sue the insurance company. They didn't get in an accident with me. You did. True. So I'm suing you. They just come in and defend, or they pay the money, whatever. Now, if they've already sent you eleven five without any documentation whatsoever, and you're not right. signing off on any liability, I would just cash it and then sue them for the difference, and then you sue, okay. uh, then you sue AT and T for the difference. But the, what I'm pointing out is you have to look at your contract with AT and T. You have to look at it really carefully. And if there's uh, language in there that says if you accept uh, any money, et cetera, you uh, are now waiving any liability. But the smaller that print is and the more into the contract it is, the better off you're going to be, Manny, because the judge is going to turn okay. to AT&T say, oh, no, no, no. Lie, you know, what, page four, and I need a microscope to look at that language? So yeah. I think, you know what, take the check and sue them. That's what I would do. Sounds good. All right. And then you have a small claims court jurisdiction, which you're well within it. Why not? This is Handle on the Law. From the back to the blue to black, black, you like that. This is KFI AM 640. More stimulating talk. Bill Handle here. Welcome back. And welcome back to Handle on the Law, Marginal Legal Advice. All right. Uh, Suzanne. Hello, Suzanne. Hey. Hi. Yes. Okay. I am in the middle of um, disputing what I owe my my um, lawyer. Mm-hmm. And um, they told me that if I went to court, it would be $3,000. I paid her $3,000. Is that in Suzanne, is that in writing? 
It is, but it says it in a it it it's a loophole. She says the retainer of fifteen hundred dollars for limited scope of pleading preparation. Retainer will increase to three thousand if the limited scope is expanded to attend the hearing and represent the client at the hearing. Okay. She told me many times, and I told her that I could not spend more than three thousand. Will you please put it in your writing on here that it's three thousand? That's what she wrote. Now the now the law firm is saying, well, that's for the retainer only. That's not your complete fee. Well, it, but it says that. But, but Suzanne, here's what it says: is three thousand dollars for making the first appearance. Well, there was only one appearance, and so and that's it, done, and the case is over. Yes. Okay, and they want more money. Yes. Oh, no, no, no. You say you're done. No, you go, hey, here's your one appearance. You made it. We're done. Thank you. Read the retainer. There's no loophole there, Suzanne. What what are they pointing to a loophole? What loophole? Well, that it was just, they're saying that it was only a retainer for services. It wasn't what was going to be billed after the retainer. Does it say that? And they, well, it's, it's a, it's a per hour thing. No, but you told me, wait a second. You told me that it says three thousand uh, dollars for the first uh, for the first appearance, uh, but it, but that would attend the hearing. Yeah, I'm so, okay. So that's it. They attended the hearing, and now they're now, see. I'm a little confused as to what the retainer actually says. Do you have the retainer in front of you? I do. Okay, so uh, tell me what that issue of the three thousand dollars. Read that to me. Um. First, they list all your hourly fees. So okay, that's fine. That's fine. I get it. So now, it says retainer of fifteen hundred. This is right. all in her own handwriting. All right. Oh, written across the contract. Retainer of fifteen hundred dollars for limited scope of pleading preparation. Retainer will increase to three thousand if limited. Scope oh, I see what they're saying. I see. So what they're saying okay. is the retainer as against the hourly. That's the mm-hmm. issue. Uh, so okay. what it does is a retainer is a down payment, Suzanne. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So what they're saying is, if you for the after the first appearance or at the first appearance, it goes to three thousand as a down payment, and the and the payments are against that. Yeah, they they have you. Well, then uh, the other thing is, is in court, that I was asking for attorney fees because she was already billing me five thousand more than what we agreed on. Okay, and, I, and? Had, I had in writing. Okay, and to her and um. He, the judge asked the other plaintiff um, what your fees are. They said 2500 They asked my attorney. He said, how much are your attorney fees for this matter? My attorney says probably after today's proceedings and counsel and I flipped the coin, whatever, they, she's doing the paperwork after the hearing. I would estimate about $5,000. Yeah, it doesn't matter. Estimation means nothing, Suzanne. Unless there's a court order that says you owe this X dollars to your lawyer, estimation means nothing. Right, but she was estimating I owe five thousand total for my. Okay, so she estimated, but Suzanne, that's her estimation. How are you going to hold someone to an estimation? But she she already. Knew. All right, Suzanne, I'm done. Uh, hello, Leanne. You're up. Welcome to Handle on the Law. Um, hi. Um, yeah, I was calling about um, a trust my mom had. Um, she had a trust and a will. Yeah, it's normally the way it works. But um, we didn't know about the will. Okay. So, um, well, here's the deal. My two oldest brothers were dual executors on the trust. And um, the oldest brother was not cooperating at all. 
so we decided to have him removed. We went to court and everything. We didn't find out about the other will until the day we went to court. And he was a sole executor. And um, so the, the trust covered the properties, and the will covered personal property. And I was wondering if it was illegal for him to not tell us about that will. Eh, it's not a question of being illegal. Um, uh, and when um, uh, when did this happen after the death of your mother? Uh, when did you discover the will was there uh, subsequent to the um, death of your mother? About, about a year and a half. Yeah, he I mean, he, yeah in reality, it was uh, he's probably breached his fiduciary duty. Uh, do you know if he took any of the property and who was the beneficiary? He who are the beneficiaries under the will? There's four of us. Okay. The four, the four children. Okay, equally, right? Yeah. And what did he do with the property? He took whatever he wanted. Okay, there's a lawsuit there against him. What, uh, what did he take and how much is left? Um, he just took everything he could of value. What does that mean? Actually, just um, like some anti- like old tools, okay. antique auto parts. All right, and, um, it's just t- a lot of things. Right, it, the lawyer, the lawyer that you got to have him removed uh, from the trust is probably the same lawyer uh, to sue him for uh, breach of fiduciary duty. Well, we fired that first one because she didn't. Okay, so find another one. <laughs> we do have one now. Okay. But, um, we're just, he's just trying to get some monetary, he's just trying to make him pay us um, some money. Well, that, um, I mean, in reality, in Leanne, if the property is already gone, uh, there's yeah. nothing but money. Now, if you know yeah. there is, if you know, for example, there's a storage facility that has some of the property, then you can go into court and have uh, the judge just order it locked down. Uh, that the judge will oh. order the uh, storage uh, uh, facility, the storage yard, uh, just to throw a lock on there pending any hearings and pending an inventory and all that. But if you don't know where the stuff is, uh, all you're going to do is get money, and then you have to approximate uh, what he actually took because then you have to oh. prove it. But, you know, the courts are probably going to be pretty generous with your analysis of what's going on. What if he refuses to... Hey, we're trying to get. Then you get a court order. It's a, it's an order. I mean, it's a judgment against him. He can refuse to pay all he wants. Uh, but it, if there is a court order, it's, it is a judgment. It's like any other judgment. You go after assets. You uh, go after. You garnish wages. You do everything that anybody else does with a judgment, a money judgment. So we would have to actually take him to court. Oh yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So and then we're probably going to. We might end up with the same judge that we had, which which, which is what who you want. She, well, she um, is famous for issuing third parties. So we ended up with a third party for the properties, which we didn't want. What do you mean you ended up up with a third party? I mean, the third party now is dealing with the trust and is distributing, is selling, selling the assets? Oh, only the properties. No, but but as the order, but as that third party, the tr- the the new trustee, if it will, uh, is yeah. the new trustee selling off the properties that listed the property? Yeah. Okay, yeah. Th- that's exact. That's fine. Now that's not going to happen here uh, because there is no property. He's probably it's already all yeah. gone, and there really isn't enough for a trustee. Uh, and uh, the it's uh, the executor. It's real simple. I mean, the will's going to be distributed, so she's not going to order uh, any kind of an expert, any kind of a trustee. I mean, it's just the circumstances aren't there. But yeah. you've got you got to yeah. get a lawyer to go after uh, this brother of yours. He's a real sleazeball. He is. Okay, yeah. that's it. There it is. That's what you want to do, and you can also kill him.
but uh, that's what I would do. All right. This is Handle on the Law. KFI AM 640, Bill Handel, Saturday morning. This is Handle on the Law. Hey, Eric, uh, you're up. Welcome to Handle on the Law. Uh, thank you for your time. Sure. I, uh, I was riding my bicycle and got struck by a car. Oh, congratulations. <laughs> thank you. Um, the hit and run shattered my left forearm. Have had two surgeries since then. Yeah, no my idea. Question is, yeah. Uh, because it was a hit and run, uh, should I be going after my own uh, uninsured motorist? Yeah, I think so. Yes. You were hit by an Am uninsured I- motorist. Yes. Am I entitled to pain and suffering? Uh, yeah. Yeah, you can. Yeah, I think so. Do I, I need a lawyer? Uh, it depends on how bad. Well, first of all, you have to look at how much uninsured motorist is on your policy. Uh, it, I you, carry 500000 in coverage on that. No, no, but is it uh, uninsured motorist? Is it $500,000 uninsured motorist? Because usually the un, uninsured, underinsured motorist is not even close to your mag, uh, that magical liability. Uh, yeah, you want to look at your policy. Now, if it's really healthy, yes. If not, then all you do is submit your medical bills and uh, they'll just write you a check for policy limits. So look to see how uh, how badly you were hit. Oh, wow. So uh, you were just riding your bike and somebody slams and just hits you? Yeah, I was in the bike lane, which in oh. theory, that's where I belong. But uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Do you uh, ride your bike for exercise, for example? Yes, I do. Yeah, that worked out well. Uh, do you take it to work? <laughs> no. Oh, just for just for exercise. Okay. Normally, I would say that's dangerous. Yeah, I know. Exercise will kill you every time. Uh, how long yeah. were you in the ho- How long were you in the hospital? Uh, two uh, two different surgeries, so two overnight. Right. So, how, how? Let me tell you something. How do you exercise in traction? For example, do you do? Uh, do you lift yourself up a lot? <laughs> no, spin class. Okay, I feel better. You know, is that. My favorite story, Jim Fix. You remember who Jim Fix is? Jim Fix was, um, he started the running craze and uh, was in amazing shape. 52 years old, running one day, and literally keels over of a heart attack. You can look him up. It's one of my better stories. It's, and it's true. That exercise will kill you every time, won't it? All right, Scott. Hi, Scott. Yes. Yes. What can I do for you, sir? Hello there. Um, I have a situation. I'm, I care for a hospice patient, and uh, we had a hospice nurse come into the house, and uh, the hospice patient lives with me. He's. Um, they gave him six months to live, whatever. But anyway, long story short, um, he has. He had huge. His feet were like the size of footballs because he's on dialysis and he retains his water. Well, it turned into these massive sores and stuff like that to where we had to have daily wound care come in every day and clean him up and change his wounds and leave. So this nurse comes to our home. She comes in the house. She um, He's in one of those reclining chairs that are electric, and he can't walk anyway. He's immobile at that time. So what took place is she took off his bandages and... She's, like, looking around the house, and she goes, I'll be right back. i got to get something out of my car. And the next thing I see is her car speeding up the road, and I'm like, what the heck? 
So I called the nursing office that sent her out, and they said that she felt it was an unsafe environment for her to be in. So, and it was unsafe for the patient. So 10 minutes later, Adult Protective Services shows up at my front door, and we invite her in, and she sees that the patient is in a great environment. There's nothing threatening. There's no firearms, nothing scary about the home or anything like that, no animals, no nothing. The reason that the nurse, and the nurse left him with his wounds wide open, hopped in her car and just left All and right. called her office. And um, and then we found out when Adult Protective Services came that the whole reason was because I, as a caretaker, am a medical marijuana patient. All right, so, what, what, so Scott, what's your question? I'm wondering if I can sue this. No, yeah, well, no, car. no. I mean, theoretically you could, but what are your damages? Uh, I mean, just think about that, okay? Uh, they, right. They left you alone. They figured out as soon as you proved that you were a medical marijuana patient, they walked out the door, nothing happened to you, right? Correct. Oh, yeah, what are you going to sue? How, how much do you think you're going to sue for? Uh, you know, I... I Bill, you're just the ultimate advice giver. So if you say there's no lawsuit, yeah, no there, lawsuit, well, and there, may, I mean, it may be, zero. but it's uh, you know, there's two things wrong uh, going on here. First of all, the damages are really, really small. Second of all, you saying that I'm the ultimate advice giver—that's a real problem. I mean, right off the bat, I mean, where are you going with that, huh? All right, Tim. Uh, hi, Tim. Welcome to Handle on the Law. Yeah, real quickly, I have a case that's filed in federal court, and it's under a stay in discovery for about the last nine, uh, well, ten months. And I'm curious what I could do to pr- prompt that thing along. You Well, first of all, the uh, it's the court that ordered the stay? Correct. And uh, there's no time limit on the stay? There's nothing pending? There's no hearing? Uh, well, there was a 12B hearing uh, that uh, was scheduled, but the judge seems to be pro-defendant in this case, which is the other, of course, the other party, and uh, it won't hear anything. It just has shut down and disappeared. Well, I mean, there's a period of time, and I don't know what that time is. I don't know if it's statutory, but at some point, uh, you make a motion to bring it back, and uh, if the judge keeps on delaying, 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 then you've uh, got an issue with the judge. Uh, either arguing bias or just moving the process ahead. But when you have a federal judge that isn't going to be on your side, man, you've got a world of hurt, Tim. What are you suing for, by the way? Uh, it is a breach of an employment contract with a uh, trucking company. Uh, the total value of the case is probably six figures. Because you have a company or they owe you this on uh, the wages? I was a company that I at least uh, 12 trucks from this particular Ah, company. got it. Okay. They, yeah. They it. yeah. Okay. All right. Uh, you have a lawyer on this? No, couldn't find anyone to take it. Well, I mean, you have to pay him. But well, it's my problem. It's, it's cut and dry, and the judge has stepped in because I just think he's uh, biased. No, I understand. There are judges that are biased, but uh, why would no lawyer take it? I didn't have the upfront money. Yeah, well, that, you know, I can understand that. But no, uh, when you have a judge against you, especially a federal judge, uh, you're in a world of hurt. That really is. So uh, you can make a motion to speed it along. I wouldn't even know how to do that. Not even close. I don't do much uh, uh, federal law. Matter of fact, I don't do any federal law. Matter of fact, I don't do much law at all. Matter of fact, you're listening to the law I do. Handle here. This is Handle on the Law.